Let's go. Yep. As always, welcome back to Binge Town TV. This week we have me, Kyle, uh, producer Dave, and Brian. We're going to talk a little shop about episodes three and four, The Boys Season 2. Uh, Over the Hill with the Sword of a Thousand Men and Nothing Like It in the World, which just dropped this past Friday. So our last boys episode was uh, a little beefy. So if you took down that whole thing, I'll just say uh, you're fucking diabolical. Uh, <laughs> so I, with all that BS out the way, how are we feeling about these episodes? Obviously, these two episodes, very, very good television right here. I mean, not much else to say for yeah, me. Yeah, two more winners. Um, I think we both have some opinions about episode four specifically that mm. we maybe weren't completely as over the moon as the other episodes, but we still really enjoyed it. Got a lot out of it and a lot happens, which are all things that I appreciate. So yeah, just, I think, I think we're just chugging along in season two. They were just different to me is all, I guess it's just something you've never really seen on television before, I guess, at least me. So it was different, but I definitely enjoyed them. Cool. It was really nice to go back and watch episode three again, because it had come out in the initial batch of three episodes what was that almost two weeks ago week and a half ago yeah. but going back and rewatching it the fucking whale scene is unbelievable <laughs> every time i think that's so far <laughs> been one of my favorites of this season so far just incredible television <laughs> <laughs> episode three was really good mm-hmm. and that whole scene was great i just love the deep and like We'll get to the scene. We mm-hmm. we can't yeah. we can't get into it. Are we ready to yeah. just start grinding through yes, episode sir. three? Yeah, so episode three, over the hill with the sword of a thousand men. Uh and we start off with a little bit of Billy Joel. This is a recurring theme, but it yes. is Huey on I refer to it in my notes as the boy boat. The boys boat. <laughs> yeah, the boys boat, the boy the boat, boat that they're on for a lot of the episodes. The wet dream. Is that the name <laughs> of the it, boat? Is it the name Something of Something like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, so Huey's just jamming out to the Billy Joel song, Second Win. I think he's actually streaming the video to it. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, this but- is... No, no, no. He's doing You're Only Human. And he, I think he's only just jam- He's like looking over just like the boat, I guess. I don't think... I think when he was watching the video is a later episode. It's, it's like... Nah, it's like one or two. Just whatever. But regardless, yeah. It's not... Yeah. So either way... um what happens in this scene Huey's just reflecting on something listening to some tunes and Butcher rolls up and is is trying to make amends because we left episode two Butcher had just like popped Huey in the face so Butcher comes up and says, ah, I may have lost my bottle bit when I popped you on you he, he doesn't really apologize he just, just says maybe got carried away like it's yeah. the most butcher way to yeah. apologize. It just wasn't like it didn't feel from the heart, I guess, even though he was <laughs> trying to apologize. Literally all you could ever get from Butcher yeah, exactly. in terms oh, yeah. of an apology. Yeah, exactly. He leads but, it with an insult too. He yeah. calls him a Ponzi eyeline wearing emo twat. Yeah. <laughs> just like, great. He has such a he way is. with words. Yeah. He must have like a thesaurus on deck and just like references just ready. between scenes. Uh but yeah, so Huey does not really accept this apology and starts hitting Butcher back, and then we get our boy MM, the adult in the room, comes and breaks up the fight. And we just have a lot of strife between Butcher and Huey where we're at right now. Huey's not very happy. Butcher is a wanker. We know that. <laughs> so that's and just the, where we're at with these two characters. And the look on Huey's face, too, like as the, I guess, the scene transitions is just like utter hatred, just utter like anger and hatred. Like I've been, I talked about it in the last episode a little bit, but I just feel like Huey's going down a dark path, man. Like this is not, this is like fuel to the fire, Butcher. Every time you say it, I'm going to say it. He's just waiting on his second win, bro. He'll get there. Mm. For sure. For sure. He will get there. 
So after MM splits it up, uh, we get Butcher on the phone with Mallory, who is just kind of reiterating the plan, says, you know, my people will be there in a few hours to pick up the super terrorist. Just make sure this handoff goes well. And then, you know, you'll have Becca back. Everything will be good. Everything does not go good. (laughs) Yeah, no. She actually, she name drops Liberty for the first time in this scene. Mm -hmm. And I just, just continuing with our little trivia thing that we like to do. Um, When I mentioned last episode that the hideout that they're in, there's the the movie poster featuring Popclaw. The right Mm -hmm. next to it is like an old advertisement that Liberty is like a soup selling something. Nice. It was like women's yeah. like fr- like not fragrance, but it was something for women. I think, yeah, feminine products. An, I believe there was also like an address on the back of the, uh, the I guess the advertisement that she was holding. Mallory. That's later. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I mean, no, we do see, see we do see her pull it out of the Manila envelope when and I, there's stuff written on it. That was just I, something that like caught my eye yeah. at this, this point scene, in time. In this scene, we just get Mallory name dropping. I think she says, "Have you ever heard of Liberty?" And it's like I don't know what she has to do with everything, but I think she's involved somehow and then we get the iconic the boys text yeah uh you know go through that and then we get our next scene is kimiko seeing her brother kenji who is currently in the boys custody yeah i feel like like personally this scene was just whatever you know it's just more back and forth between kenji and kimiko this scene is heartbreaking it's just such a tough spot for Kimiko. Like the people who saved her life basically need to turn in her brother for them not to be wanted anymore. But her brother is also a wanted criminal who she wants to help. So it's like, what the hell do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And and it looked like she she made up her mind too. I mean, like he was like at the very end, he was just like, then free me if you like love me so much. And she just kind of gets up smiles and just like walks away. So I don't think he's expecting any help. Yeah, he kind of like lays. Kimiko keeps saying, I won't let them hurt you. Like, I'll protect you. And he's just like, listen, you're giving me to the Americans. They're going to torture the shit out of me. Like, it's either, like Dave said, you let me go or I'm screwed. And she does just say, I'm sorry, because she knows she has to turn him in. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Kimiko is smart enough to choose, you know, put her brain over her heart and choose the boys over her brother, who is a terrorist at this point, you know, I think she, that's a good indication of her moral code that she's able to follow the boys. That's something you rarely see in television is a character following the head and not like, I feel like 99% of the time they're following the heart and doing the wrong thing where yeah. Kimiko's realizing here and being smart. Kimiko's a spice girl, man. <laughs> yeah. Kimiko's a spice hard. girl. I fuck hard with Kimiko. She's great. Monku. Monku. Uh, so next scene we get is a really little snippet of a train. He's kind of like partying at a club. Uh, he gets a uh, waitress's number, kind of crumples it up and says, all right, boys, I got to head out. Um, and he leaves this club into broad daylight and then he's kind of just like disoriented and razzled and, you know, everything goes all blurry. He's like dealing with something. Yeah. We don't know what it is exactly. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's just side effects from the overdose just that he experienced, yeah. but. I think he clutches his chest. Yeah, he's like yeah. clutching his chest. He's the, definitely one thing not. about it for me is the bouncer is like right there, and I guess he's like you know trained to kind of mind his own fucking business with superheroes, but he's just like sitting right there watching it happen. <laughs> what you think he should have intervened and been like, no, a, no, no, a good no, citizen? not help him, but like it's just funny that like he's like in public and this is happening and like yeah. it's something he's trying to keep so hidden. Mm-hmm. This but also, there's a funny little detail. The I just like the the lyric of the song that's playing, like, and my pocket's fat, like the back of Kim K. 
And <laughs> I just imagine like if you were just Kim Kardashian, just kicking back on a Friday night watching the boys and then you just hear that and it's like, oh, nice. <laughs> I, I doubt she's I watching do, this I do show. have a fat ass. Thank you. <laughs> you don't think Kim K's watching the boys? Fuck no. Celebrities watch TV, man. You don't yeah, know. Not the boys. I wouldn't imagine this is her cup of tea. <sighs> she's enough. got a bunch of kids. Yeah. So that was a really quick A-train scene just showing us like he's dealing with some sort of health condition. Moving on, we get Homelander and he is at Becca and Ryan's house and Becca made can uh excuse me, Becca made pancakes. They're having a nice little home cooked breakfast. It's I don't nice. know about nice, but it's yeah, I guess for Homelander like, it's yeah, nice. For <laughs> Homelander it's nice, but it is I could even feel the awkwardness from this like just sitting on my couch. I was like, this is so uncomfortable. Becca hates him so much. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so much. And he knows it too, and he's such a dick yeah. about it. Cause she's like putting the syrup. He goes, ah, a little more. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, come on, dude. Why are you the worst? And then they're also doing the Monday morning Spanish thing. And oh my God, Homelander is just that that prideful American. He's ready to murder someone. Becca, so matter of factly, is just like Monday mornings, we have uh, breakfast in Espanol. And he just like has the <laughs> longest eye roll I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> fuck this bitch. What is she doing to my son? Yeah. Yeah. The, ever the Patriot. And he says, hey, why don't you come outside and have some fun with your dad? Yeah. And. That's where we leave this scene. Is yeah, it's hard to say no to Homelander. With Ryan, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, watching him drink milk, I feel like I talk about it all the time, is so oh, yeah. uncomfortable. That was also he something swishes, I to bring up. He swishes the milk in his mouth. Like, no one swishes milk in their mouth when they drink it. It's yeah. just so disgusting. They really emphasized it again. Even though it wasn't the breast milk that he loves so much, it was just plain milk, and he's still just... I just find it so funny at this point. I've accepted that Homelander <laughs> yeah. was like Obviously, a total creeper. I, I'm just okay with it. That's the Obviously, easiest route finish. for me, but I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, we leave that scene and we go to uh, floor 99 of Vault Tower. And it's an unnamed guy making this elevator pitch to the seven for an upcoming movie called Dawn of the Seven. And it's essentially their origin story, more or less. Yeah, and this is really funny because, like, as a fan of, like, the Marvel series, it's just, like, this guy's getting so hype. He's, like, you know, like, and here come the seven, first time united, you know, teamwork, all this stuff, Panda Black. Uh, who does he say? Uh, Hans Zimmer playing music yeah. in the yeah. background. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had written down, like, this guy knows how to make, like, a cookie-cutter superhero movie, but he does know a good score because but, he's bringing in the boss, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, it's just, like, as a fan, like, even as, like, us, that's the same thing, too. Like, when we're watching Marvel movies, we get hype over, you know, the cheesiest things, but... It, it oh, was yeah. just funny. It was relatable. He says, uh, Lynn Manuel, I don't want to jinx it, but Lynn Manuel <laughs> Miranda wants to voice translucent. And now she's like, oh, I loved Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the world loves Hamilton. <laughs> they start freaking out. So yeah, Ashley loves the script. Uh, but the rest of the seven say it's like total shit. Specifically, Stormfront, who speaks out and says, I just have a few global headlines yeah. to uh <laughs> to revise this this script she said it's it's not really going to be tweaks it's it's going to be more global and also something to note was that Maeve quickly briefly asked a train like mm. Maeve is one as of right now one of the only seven members to notice that a train's not 100 percent right now like she, she just says him, like you look like shit right yeah and he's just like i had a long night at the club whatever yeah. so but she does have a look of concern on her face so it's the fucking guys like the the movie guys hold defense to Stormfront like shitting on how he writes female characters. He goes, "Excuse me, but I do have two sisters." <laughs> it's just like you are such a cocksmack. Yeah, that's you, Kyle. Well, yeah, but and Paul 
if it was like, out here writing these bimbos in movies and then defending <laughs> it with i have two sisters yeah that's true that's true yeah my sisters are mean anyway so yeah. <laughs> so like i said ashley is in the room and when stormfront is bringing up her grievances with the script uh, ashley is quick to say well homelander loves this script and stormfront says well where is he if he loves it so much after this like a couple seconds pass ashley looks at her phone and then starts to get like visibly like frazzled nervous and she can't get out of the room quick enough and she goes to meet up with edgar uh stan edgar who is the ceo of vaught or what have you and we find out that the news of compound v has just broken um it's all on cnn and all the news outlets so the compound v news has just broke that's huge this is absolutely huge i mean well i mean we get to it in a little bit but i mean even mother's milk and french are like dude this is something we've been trying to do for like years basically Mm -hmm. and like it's now done like so this is absolutely groundbreaking news. And I thought it was actually funny too, because I, you said her name's Ashley, right? Like the assistant yeah. person. Yeah. It was funny because, and I think it was episode two when Maeve is coming up with an excuse to leave like the whole women's set. She's like, yeah. oh, you can't leave right now. Like, this is important. We have to do this now. But here it is. Like, it's another in a, a quote unquote important meeting. And here's Ashley just dipping out now, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like, it, it kind of flipped a little bit for her. A little Ashley's just a scatterbrain. Hey. Yeah, she is just, I mean, she's just trying not to get killed, which is, <laughs> true. Yeah, that is true. completely where she's at. <laughs> Very she's, high stress. She's job going she into has. work every day and just trying to live. Yeah. Boy, that's tough. <laughs> okay. So right after we get the Ashley and Edgar, that's a really quick interaction. Uh, we pan to a scene with Starlight and A-Train, who obviously Starlight we are led to believe was the person that had the compound V sample and assumedly gave it to the media. So she's the informant of this news story breaking and a train knows that because a train caught her red handed with the sample vial. Uh, a train just calls her out for doing exactly that. He said, I know you had the sample. I know you're the one that leaked this and starlight essentially says, you know, you're the one that let me walk out of this room still with it you knew i had it you knew what i was going to do like if i go down you're coming down with me a train mm-hmm. basically yeah. almost, almost a repeat speech of the last time they had encountered um and this was interesting too because a train was just he got so upset he's like you just don't fuck with the money yeah that's the thing don't fuck with the money which and what was the, I, i'm sure you have it written down the quote that he mentions about um he's like you can tell you've like been around money your whole life because like you like only someone with money would say mm, they don't care about down, yeah. yeah yeah she she basically says like there's more to life than money and he says that the only people that say that are people who grew up with money but she, did did she even come from money i feel like she just came from like a backwater like town she was like really religious you know yeah. like i feel like she didn't have that money but i could be wrong who knows probably didn't have to struggle more like, yeah she, yeah she wasn't I, she was going she to like, like superhero camp like yeah, that's true. Yeah. I feel like if you're a superhero at a young age, you're already getting the advertisements and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. She, she that's what, one, of the f- one of the first times I feel like you've, I find myself empathizing with A-Train. I was just about to say, um, and before we started like hopping on this, I think I was talking with Luke about, is there a possibility for an A-Train redemption? Could he even become a good guy? And I think there's a couple scenes that we'll get to that kind of reinforce that idea. Obviously, he's... We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I can get down with that. I can get down with that. I'm interested. He has the motivation and we'll talk about it after we've covered a couple more scenes. But are we good with that? Starlight nature? Yeah, nothing nothing out of the ordinary here. Moving on. We get the man, the myth, the legend, the D (laughs) with our girl, Carol (laughs) and the Eagle from Cleveland. Yeah. Um, 
and he's just sharing how like he's been hearing voices of fishes who are like begging and pleading for their life at like SeaWorld and Red Lobster and like Goldfish <laughs> yeah, the he, Red Lobster at, like the pet stores and he's just like it's like a I, mean, I don't even know up. how it's to talk up. about this. It's just it's terrible. You're but it's and funny I'm, because it's the team. Yeah, it's the team. Yeah. I, the way I think about it is the three of us here have all worked at Hills Quality Seafood Market in Newtown Square. And imagine Yo. working a seven to seven where the lobster tank is just screeching the whole time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. I'm going to die. And like, as you're pl- about to put them in the pot or whatever. Yeah. Oh my that's, what I, that's what I think. Like, soft shell crabs, like live crab oh days. Like, God, <laughs> they would yeah. just be sitting in the back just screeching. And that was my first thought when I heard him talking about this. I think Family Guy honestly did something too. Because Family Guy, I likes to shit on Aquaman too. I think yeah. they did something similar to this where they're just, it's like they're making fun of Aquaman who just like can hear the voices of just dying animal of dying sea animals at least. Yeah, it sounds awful. <laughs> so that was a pretty short scene. I think that's literally all we get in that scene with the deep. Then we get a little I mean, bit of a black noir crying, which I think because it's funny. It's like just such a cheesy cry. It's just like ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> whimpering, basically. It's just like you don't yeah, see that his facial. Really well that was a good black noir. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was funny. But that I was mean, just two seconds of that. This is something that we talked about on the preview episode of like they're starting to give us more black noir and I am here for it. I yeah. love all the little tidbits we get from him. He's by far the biggest question mark on the show, without a doubt. Like a lot of yeah. characters have mystery to them, but he just takes the cake. He has he is nothing but mystery. Homelander His says song. later it might be in episode four that he doesn't identify as a race. Yeah. At all. So he's like, just such a mystery. Yeah, you guys are right. And I love the mystery that's around him. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, so I think we're good on that scene. Moving on, we are back on the boys' boat. Um, and it's Huey watching this news break on NNC, which is their news outlet. And he's hype. He's leaving a voice message for Annie slash Starlight saying, hey, was this you? Oh, my gosh, this is awesome. It's everywhere. Like, call me back. This is great. Frenchie and MM walk in and they said, oh, my gosh, this is hype. We've been trying to do this for years. Everyone's hype except for Butcher. Yeah. Gives (laughs) Huey a a very stiff, nice one. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) That's what it was a very, uh, very emotional scene, like very, you know, it was a very feel good scene. And then once Butcher walks in the room, I'm just like, this is just going to go to shit right away. Yeah. And yeah, he just lays the nice one. It's just like, come on, man. Like, it's what he, he just did something you've been trying to do for years. And that's all you're going to give him. Yeah. And Hugh events that he's like, seriously, you can't give me even one single win. Like, this is BS, man. And Butcher responds with, we still have this super terrier terror oh my gosh we still have this super terrorist to deal with who's (laughs) below our deck like we still have some stuff on your plate and i believe the exact quote he says is when this is all over i'll buy you a bottle of top shelf lube and i'll tickle your balls That was really good. Yeah, coincidentally, I've been working on my butcher I because you got I, I, I came yeah, in bro, with like right. a very bad Irish accent when I tried it last episode. <laughs> I think Paul is our resident butcher impressionist. Yeah, but he's good. I think I'm doing it justice to this one. Yeah, definitely improvement. I, I would be remiss not to mention that Frenchie and Huey do kiss in this scene. And oh, yeah. I can't tell who I'm more jealous of. <laughs> if I would rather be Frenchie Jack kissing Quaid. Huey. Dude, yeah, you, kissing Jack Quaid or Jack Quaid. Quaid. I You're love Jack Wade and Frenchie. Yeah, I think no, if I were to pick. Yeah, you do love. Those are two of your favorites for sure. Yeah, but MM and Frenchie are the fucking homies, man. They are just. Uh, they are so I would love for them man. to be my friends. 
MM has some great scenes in the next episode too. We'll get to, but he is just definitely a feel good character. I want MM to be like my uncle or something. Mm-hmm. He's the yes. man. <laughs> also, there's some. Uh, there was some, a name I wanted to drop here. Uh, Doctor jo- Jonah Vogelbaum. He is one of the pioneers of Compound V. And on the news station that was airing, uh, they were just basically saying he's declined to comment. But I he, think he's uh, another higher up. We saw him in season one. Yeah, uh, we did. Homelander. He was like Homelander's the doctor who made Homelander and ran experiments on him and took away his yep. childhood. So, and Homelander confronted him. And I just thought that the fact, yeah, I just figured that the name, the fact that they even dropped his name just shows that he will be coming back. I'm sure. And yeah, later definitely, I thought that same thing. He's, he's another mystery of a character just because like, like he created Homelander, like you said, and like, we don't know the backstory of all that yet. So yeah, he's like the scientific mind behind Vought and compound V. So it would make a lot of sense for him to play a part in the story to come, but yeah, definitely. And you, you noticed the shockwave thing on the newspaper and we got shockwave facts. So, yeah. You we know, got, yeah. Yep. A Vogel bomb name drop. I'm, I'm sure we have him in our future, but I think we're good with that mm-hmm. boat scene. Moving on, we are catching up again with Homelander and Ryan, who are now on the roof of Becca's house. <laughs> God, this scene, <laughs> I was just like, did that just fucking happen? Homelander looks at Ryan. He's like, you know what? I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> Do you think it's time? Yeah, I think it's time. And Ryan's just like, what? What? Yeah, I can't jump. Like I can't jump off this roof. He's like, ah, you'll be fine. Keep in mind, Homelander's already broken the sound barrier at this point in time in his life. Like as a kid, so he his expectations for Ryan are very high. And boy, do they astronomical? Boy, do they fall flat face on the ground? (laughs) Ryan says, "Dad, please don't make me jump." He says, "Aw, buddy." You called me dad. And then he <laughs> chuckles to himself very creepily and just pushes Ryan off the house. And the sound, <laughs> the sound effect that he makes when he hits the ground, I'm like, this kid's dead. Yeah. Like, I really hope, <laughs> I, and I really hope he is dead it, for Homelander to be realized. When I was watching it live, I thought he was dead. And yeah. that would be like the twist of the tale. Um, oh my God. That would have been insane. I yeah, would have loved he, that personally just because, like, it would have, one, been a shot at Homelander. Like, you're a fucking dick. And two, it, yeah, it would have carried us the story a little bit. So I was really hoping he was dead, but when he came back, I was like, "Oh, this kid's so fucked." Like Homelander's just gonna groom this kid into a fucking villain. Yes. So Becca comes tearing out of the house, freaking out, thinks Ryan's dead, but he does come too. Uh, Homelander was never afraid, by the way. He was so one hundred percent confident Ryan has powers and was gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. But he was right. And then. Homelander turns his gaze to Becca and says, I'm tired of you raising my son like a little fucking pussy, which yeah. he that is a quote of what he says. And he grabs Becca like pretty hard by the wrist. And that's when Ryan intervenes and pushes Homelander off of her and knocks him to the ground, which I don't think normal people can knock Homelander to the ground. So that's actually a really good point that you mentioned that because I didn't even think about that. That's like the first time we've seen Homelander. I mean, obviously it took him by surprise, but like he was, he was defenseless for a little bit. Like Ryan got the clear upper hand on him with his strength to beat Homelander. So that was very impressive. Yeah. On my, this was a really cool scene. I thought like the, the yeah, eyes I liked going it a lot. Up. Yeah. He drops an F bomb too. I was like, all right, Ryan, let's get it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this, I mean, the part that ruins the scene, it's just Homelander is so fucking weird because <laughs> she like, whatever like yells at him like you're a monster all this stuff and like he goes like i gave you a son but in reality it's like dude you like sexually assaulted her and impregnated her like no one would think of that like hey i gave you a son yeah no like he's just a sociopathic maniac yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he's horrible. Um, we good on this <laughs> yeah, scene? Basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good. Cool. Next scene we have is Frenchie and Kenji, who's Kimiko's brother. And this is their first extended interaction. I thought it was good. Uh, mm-hmm. Frenchie, it's like the stereotypical, the boyfriend, quote unquote, the boyfriend talking to the older brother, like trying to gauge, you know, yeah. what's up with Kimiko. But he comes up with a bag of Doritos and like a, a the Red Bull equivalent, the the Vought Red Bull. And says these are horrible powdered cheese things. But if you're hungry, and Kendry says, "Just fuck you, dude. Get yeah. out of here." That energy drink has 400 milligrams of caffeine in it. By the way, yeah, there you go. I don't know. What? What the, I don't know what the uh, average like cup of coffee is, but yeah, I was I was. This the general trivia that said it had 400 milligrams of caffeine. I was like, that's got to be. That sounds like a lot to me. That sounds yeah. I don't know much about caffeine, but it's that supposed to make like you. Like, it's basically like Red Bull gives you wings, but it's like this. Like this will make you be Homelander. <laughs> like <laughs> this will make this... you fucking shoot off into the <laughs> fucking stratosphere. <laughs> exactly. That's the the gist of it. So, Frenchie comments on how Kimiko and Kenji's sign language is like none that he has ever seen before, mm-hmm. and Kenji gives a little bit of their backstory. He says the night our parents were murdered, Kimiko just stopped talking. You know she she can't talk anymore and kimiko and i worked together alone for years we came up with this sign language to get through it there was no other way this being able to communicate in that way is the only way we survived with each other the backstory of these two is is pretty cool actually kenji and kimiko they've they've had a rough go at it i like it because it's they both have they basically both have had the same backstory However, they both end up in completely different scenarios where one yeah. is now working for the terrorist terrorist organization where now one is, you know, trying to fight, uh, you know, superheroes and stuff like that. So just yeah. weird how they ha- they had a shared backstory, but ended up in two completely different places with opposite views. Well, Kimiko was just lucky enough that the boys rescued her from. That yeah, life, yeah, you know, that's what I was just about to say. Kenji just needs his Frenchie. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a shame. Yeah, we, me and Dave have said many times how Kenji's power is OP. And if we could have harnessed that for the boys and we could have had Kimiko and Kenji playing for the good guys, that would have been huge. Wow. I unfortunately, Kenji may have been the worst character to be introduced into the show, in my opinion. I thought he, he is at this point and was just. Not very good. I don't know. He was never team homies. He was, and he, he should have been. He was definitely needed though as a character, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 He was needed um, as a yeah, character. I like, but I agree. I mean, yeah. As as a, you know, someone that Kimiko can play off of. Yeah. And like you know, flesh her out as a character, definitely useful. But yeah, and it I'm creates also like creates speaking more on his power. It's like destructive, but in this scene, he shows like really really good control that I wasn't expecting. Like with yeah. he breaks one finger out. And then, like, with that one finger, like, gets the can towards him, snaps it, like, twists it in a way that's beneficial to him, and then uses it to, like, cut whatever. I was shocked by that. I'm know? telling you, this power is OP. It is. Yeah. If you could do that with just one finger, that's... Also, I can't help but, like, question, how did they not have him more well-guarded than just wrapped up in duct tape? I thought that was a little lazy. But, I guess, like, he might not have super strength, maybe. Maybe they just were like, okay, he only has telepathic powers so just restrict the hands and we're all good yeah. but that still should have yeah. been it should have yeah. been more than that i mean Either, they're, they're a relatively low budget operation 
That is also <laughs> true. That is also true. Either way, though, Kenji uses the broken soda can to free himself from his restraints, and that is where we close out this scene to move on to Maeve in Vought Tower. She's on the phone with Elena. She's kind of just watching the news coverage of the Compound V news story, and it's her dad being interviewed saying, I had no idea that they were injecting <laughs> my baby Maeve with this juice, anything... I, it was unbeknownst to me and Maeve's just like bullshit you didn't know like this guy was using my brace money at casinos this guy was horrible yeah and I think Starlight could relate to that too because I feel like her mom with her mom yeah. yeah was also very controlling demanding and knew what to expect of Starlight so they definitely knew what was what was going on right so like I said she was on the phone with Elena who suggests maybe this is our perfect chance to walk away like this horrible story just came out. You don't owe Vaught anything anymore. We could get out of here. To which Maeve responds, you know what will happen if we do. And who else is in the room but our boy Homelander? And he is looking like he's <laughs> he's like trying to get Maeve's attention. He's looking like super bashful and like kicking rocks and stuff. He's just like, oh, hey, Maeve. Like, yeah, he takes his gloves off. He like folds it's, them together. Like, <laughs> He's just acting like a kid, like trying to get his mom's attention or something. Yeah. But he's like, hey, Maeve, like. I'm here. Give me attention. I thought that was their conversation is so uncomfortable because like, you know that they're both like bullshitting through their teeth at each other. Like even without having watched the show, you can just, if you just saw this scene, you would just be like, these people don't like each other and are just lying through their teeth right now. Mm -hmm. But my favorite does that all the time. My favorite quote is Homelander. You know, he sits on the table, he's talking to her and he goes life, huh? It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so bad at that small talk. When he, let's I play love with his son. when he tries it, though. He's like, like, this is nice. He does the, this is nice at breakfast when it's clearly not nice. He's like, life, huh? You know, it's just so good. You guys oh, said before we started recording, you were like completely skeeved out by Homelander in these episodes. I thought he was still just money. I Maybe thought he was not so this one, but definitely the next okay. one. Definitely yeah, the yeah. next one. Anyway, though, Homelander asks who Elena is. Maeve lies, says she's just an old friend that I'm venting to about all this stuff that's going on. And Homelander asks, what what stuff? What are you talking about? And Maeve says, oh, you haven't heard. So this is the first time Homelander is hearing about the Compound V news story breaking. And he's definitely pissed about that. Yeah, he's not going to be Yeah, he's not happy already. But we already transitioned to the next scene anyway. Yeah, so the next scene is going to be back on the boys' boat, and an NYPD helicopter rolls up and is responding to a stolen boat report, to which Frenchie asks, Butcher, I thought you said this was a friend's boat, and he says strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. <laughs> Butcher's the worst. Yeah, it's, tr- it's true, He though. always puts them in <laughs> He just, like, leaves so much unnecessary information out, like, to the rest of the boys. That's and he always I just puts them in a position to fail. Yeah, 100%. That's what I said that in episode one, too. It was like, Huey's not a leader. I guess Butcher was, like, a little bit better of a leader than Huey because he can still get stuff done. But he's not the best leader either. <laughs> Definitely mm-hmm. not. So we have... Once the helicopter comes out, Butcher's trying to just lie and say, I have papers here signed by the owner, yada, yada, yada. But Kenji comes out. He had just freed himself and absolutely ruins this helicopter with his powers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, he, OP. He, he takes that anchor and just oh, whips it at that. Butcher. Oh, oh my yeah. boy, MN saved his life. 
that would yeah. have ruined him. If the boys, like the boys is willing to go there, that would have cut him in half, like just ruined his body. Oh, the boys would have went there. Definitely. hundred oh, yeah. percent. I mean, if it wasn't about butcher, the boys, wouldn't have killed off butcher. Yeah, exactly. that's well, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, they're about to go there in a couple scenes. Basically. Yeah, I was going to say they went way worse <laughs> but, than that in a couple scenes. But yeah, Kenji murks the helicopter and then Butcher just goes, time to go. Yep. <laughs> He's just like, all right, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yep. that kid, because I, I guess they, they managed to tackle him again, right? And like get him restrained mm-hmm. again. I think. Yeah, and Kimiko wraps Kimiko, him up. Yeah. He, Kimiko already has him like wrapped up when he ruins the helicopter. He right, just gets right. what, that's probably why he hits the helicopter and not one of the boys because he's like being restrained. Right. Got yeah, it. she pushes him a little bit. Though I digress, it's also, I think, noteworthy to point out that Huey is insistent that they should stay and help the people. I think he's finally just kind of having these conflicting feelings where like he's starting to understand all of this damage that they're causing in their wake and he's just kind of becoming woke to it for lack of a better word but butcher if he was ever having sympathy he is far past that and is just saying hey man they're dead we got it we're gonna join them if we don't get out of here soon so, which is a fair assumption in my yeah mind. it is but i think it's noteworthy that huey's still just like struggling with his own morality and you know allowing these people to just die by his hands definitely important to note i think because it's gonna lead to that dark path man yeah. huey's evil i'm calling yeah. it now <laughs> so, shut the fuck up <laughs> huey's evil okay yeah that's huey's a hot take we're gonna hot write take that we'll pin that to the hot take we got that one written down <laughs> so next scene we have is the deep and this is a pretty quick one it's carol just rushing into the room saying that we got it your chance to get back into the seven this is coming straight from alistair himself who eagle says is like the first chair of the church that they're in so carol has something for him we don't know what but mm-hmm. something has just made it to her desk that can potentially get the deep back into the seven does yeah. anything else happen in this scene no not really there's just a really funny, like the deep is pacing back and forth, like basically just bugging about the whole compound V news and Eagle's like, ah, dude, like I'm a freak too. And then he goes, you shoot a fucking bow and arrow. I'm amphibious. Like, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of gray area between those there's two things, buddy. There's levels to this shit, man. Yeah. yeah. And the guy's name's what? Alistar Adana? Adana? Uh, Adana is yeah. the leader of the church. I feel yeah, like Alistair. he's kind of like he's what Stan Edgar was in season one, like a name drop we get, but then mm-hmm. we'll develop into a bigger character. Yeah, I was going to say, this can't be the last that we see of Eagle and Carol and their whole culty church thing. No, that might be like a season three thing. Who knows? But it's definitely building up to be something big for sure. For sure. Good with that scene. Mm -hmm. Next scene, we are at the Vought boardroom. This is the first time we're seeing, uh, well, second time we're seeing Edgar this episode. And it's kind of just the Vought higher ups talking it out what are we going to do it's they're in the war room right now trying to avoid jail time honestly and like the one chick says you know we have two options right now option one is deny but that's high risk because if they call us out on it with a legitimate whistleblower everyone in this room is looking at 10 to 15 years option two is mia culpa which is just an acknowledgement of wrongdoing Mm -hmm. so that's where they're at and neither is a really good yeah when you're in a situation like that those are realistically the only two options and neither are going to be a band-aid you know they're both going to be rough so we'll see what they end up deciding it's just funny to see like watch these suits squirm yeah (laughs) like oh my god what the hell are we gonna do but the only issue i have with this scene is that 
the guy opens up and he says the stock is down 68% this morning. And why the <laughs> fuck not just make it 69? Like, <laughs> like this show is just like satirical. Like they make jokes like that. Like you give a 68, but not 69. Of course you would notice something Terrible. like that. <laughs> also, uh, Congresswoman Newman has been on the, what, NNC. She's been on the TV giving like these yeah. grilling interviews a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be interesting if she becomes a bigger character. Like if like, you know, people from, we've seen people from the government, but not really. So if she becomes a big character, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Always. It'll, it's always cool getting introduced to new people and seeing if they actually have a bigger role to play. In yeah. The end. I think I know here. Is she like kind of the younger looking brunette? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. She has yeah. been in a couple. Ooh, good catch. Good with that scene though. Mm-hmm. The boardroom scene. So we go back to the boys boat and, uh, Butcher is on the phone with Mallory again. Mallory just reiterates, all right, you got to get Kenji to shore now. Like, we can't come and grab him to you on the sea. And Butcher has reservations about that because they're safe out at shore, but they got to get him to shore. I said that wrong, but yeah. Point being, yes, (laughs) Mallory says get Kenji back to the shore. Butcher doesn't want to because they're safe out at sea. Um, This is where we get Huey leaving his second wind message for Starlight Mm -hmm. too, right? And it's a great message. Um, I kind of have it here. He says that he feels like the kid in the music video who's going up on the bridge, you know, to commit suicide and that she is his second wind. And then he also kind of with tears in his eyes warns her that it's cool to feel like James Bond and to take (laughs) down Vaught and stuff. But he says that shit can get real, like real fast. Like shit can go bad. Like don't, keep pursuing this feeling of being james bond right because huey knows yeah i mean he's an he was a normal guy totally before all these events happened so forever yes seems like forever (laughs) ago but he of anyone in this group understands what it means to be normal i feel like and yeah the zero to a hundred that they're going right now is just causing him to break yeah but it was a You're really having hard. a hard time and lately <laughs> you don't feel so good. I have been bumping to Billy Joel lately because of this show. He, he, it was a really good speech, though, I thought, that he gave on the phone. And I, it was very heartwarming, yeah. honestly. I liked it a lot. It was a good, uh, classic, Billy, it was a good moment of like weakness. It's classic nerdy him because like, it makes like when he goes, fuck, because he knew he's like sounding like an idiot, but it still makes its way into the voicemail. I love that. No, yeah. that's what it's, it, it makes him seem human because I feel like we've all yeah. you know, maybe sent a text and just been like, fuck, or like, you know, called <laughs> yeah. someone and just been like, shit, shouldn't have said that, but it all it's worked charming. out for him. I think, yeah, it's charming it, to some extent. I think I've said much more cringy things too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That, so, that yeah, was like that, a well, that was a pretty together speech. Exactly, that's what her. I was trying to say. Very yep. sweet. Yep. Okay. Next, we get Stan Edgar visiting the seven on the 99th floor. So he's at you know the Vought Seven table, and first thing he says is, "I know I don't come up here to see you guys enough, and I apologize." And he just says, "But we need all hands on deck to get past this compound V thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're all part of the same living organism known as Vaud." And he's trying to preach this togetherness, but at the same time, this is the first time he's been up to this floor in like ten years. Like all the seven are seeing through his BS. Mm-hmm. Um, A train's like, "I gotta say." None of us had any idea about this compound B stuff <laughs> while looking directly yeah. at Starlight, just mm-hmm. dead eye contact at Starlight. Starlight didn't know. I like that A Train didn't spill the beans, though. He knows. He knows yeah. he's going to get put Th- in his place. This is another. Yeah, but I feel like it's more that 
I don't know. Him and Starlight have had some really good interactions. Yeah, definitely. Starlight definitely has him wrapped around her fi- uh, finger. He doesn't mm-hmm. have shit on her. Nope. Nothing. He's a drama queen, man, though. She's like, oh, like we gotta, we we we're gonna go out there now. Like we gotta go through PR, like all this yeah. stuff. It's like, bro, you're a fucking superhero. Like, yeah, just do it. Just go be a superhero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is what Homelander basically says. Like, we don't need this vault shit. Like, we're superheroes. Like, let's go do our fucking job, basically. Exactly. Because uh, what was his name again? Um, sorry, I'm blanking Stan on his name. Edgar. Stan. Yeah, yeah, Stan Edgar is. Yeah, he's just saying we got to catch this super terrorist. Blah blah blah. And then Homelander's like, we'll just go. We'll just go. We have to pull together the seven. It doesn't matter how we got here, but we are a family. Uh, this guy doesn't care about us. We're not his partners. We're his product. So what should we care if him and Vaught burn to the fucking ground? Let's get out here and do what we do. Let's take this cocksucker down. Yeah, because it, it was such a good speech because it was basically the same thing that Stan had told him. He was just like, you are a product. You're, well, not the most valuable product, but you are just a yeah. product. Like, we can dispose of you when we want. And Homelander here is now saying, you need us. You yep. can't just discard us. Like, we're going to be here great homelander scene he has these like some scenes where he shows genuine like leadership traits and like someone who you could follow and then you remember that he's literally horrible um he's uh he's complicated yeah dare i say he's an onion <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this motherfucker has layers lots of layers to homelander <laughs> stormfront obviously rocks with the speech because that's like her whole mo right they're always, and just, I can't... They're always gonna have the same I feel like they agree on a lot of things. It's just some like, I don't know what, how to describe it, but they see things differently also, but they are, I said it earlier in the last episode, but they are the two sides of the same coin. You know, they have these shared values. I think they're stuff. motivated by a lot of the same. Yeah. Things. Okay. That's what it is. And how they execute. Might I think be a little that differently. they're just both such type a personalities that they clash in that regard. But no, I agree. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of the same motivations and we get a really good interaction between them towards the end of episode four that Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about, but I think we're good with that scene. Mm-hmm. The seven are out to take out the super terrorist mm-hmm. who actually in that scene, uh, Homelander corrects Edgar and says not super terrorist, super villain, super, super villain. Super villain. Mm-hmm. After that, we go back to the boys' boat, and dolphins are closing in on the boat. This is it. This is it. This yeah. is the scene. Finally, yeah, this is the scene. Oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> so, dolphins like we hear bumps and thuds on the boats. Uh, Butcher goes down to the basement. They sprung a leak. Like water is rushing in. He says, "Time to abandon ship." So they go onto the what do you call it? Like the, the bow, the dinghy, the dinghy, like the smaller oh, boat, yeah, yeah, the yeah, escape yeah. boat. It's a little motorboat, um, and these dolphins are like going right alongside them. Sharks. They're like trying they to gotta get be to the sharks. shore. You think they're sharks? They gotta yeah, be that's sharks. a good point. Well, I, think I, thought, sharks. I thought the deep always mentioned in season one how he wanted to lead a platoon of dolphins. So oh, okay. I, th- yeah, I think it's a thing point, yeah. that they're dolphins. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it <laughs> I guess, is a thing. Yeah, the mine always, I guess, just immediately goes like danger sharks. Yeah, that's yeah, my right? thought. But no, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. That's how I logic to doubt. I really like this scene because it shows like like the boys under pressure are like a really good team. Like they're very well oiled because like Butcher's yeah. like MM, like take the wheel, like he's shooting and then he has to give the gun back because he's got to check out the thing. And then he's like, all right, Frenchie, like you're on this. And Frenchie slides through the railing and like cuts the boat down. Like they, they do their shit. They know their place. They're badasses, yeah. man. <clears throat> so moving on with the scene, um, the dolphins are closing in, but to their left side they hear like a (laughs) the deep is rolling up on a freaking whale yep 
and boy, <laughs> I love seeing the deep in action, like trying to be a legitimate superhero so hard. Yeah, when he comes out of the water with the whale and is blocking the path that they're trying to get to, he comes up all heroically. Dude, hands on his wide. hips, like, <laughs> I'm here, the deep. And then the whale like shoots the water and it's like falling on him. He's just like, yes, this is my moment, you know? And, <laughs> and then quickly things go to absolute shit because Billy Butcher just drives that thing right into the heart of the whale and they just end up ashore they're all chilling inside the whale it was so funny Dude. seeing this scene that cgi was perfect man oh my god i was blown away <laughs> oh my i think god. i've seen it like i might have watched it like four or five times every oh, time yeah. it's, yep. it's the same level of amazement that like it yep. a it happened and then b like when they're inside the whale this the, the yeah. setting i don't know what it is green screen it looks so good mm-hmm. This reminded me of the uh, the dolphin that he was trying to rescue in season yeah. one, and it just went to complete shit. Like, this is the same yeah, exact the thing. <laughs> and especially the way he grieves, but I guess that, that'll come yeah. in a second too. But it, it, this whole scene was just so funny. Yeah. We so, got a classic uh, butcher emerges from inside the whale and fucking <laughs> diabolical. <laughs> yeah. So oh good. Man. That one is really diabolical, though. Yeah. <laughs> Running oh, through god. a whale. Oh my gosh. It's probably um, warm in there. Yes. But <laughs> as they're all starting to come to, uh, Butcher's trying to get him out of the scene of the crime to go through the, what are they called? The storm drains or whatever. Um, and Huey won't leave. He's finally like shooketh to his core. He's like, nope, I'm waiting on my second win, man. Like, and it ain't here yet. Um, yep. Butcher abandons him. He says, all right, you're making your choice. Let's go. Frenchie MM, we're out of here. MM, our resident good guy, goes back for Huey and says, hey, kid, if you stay, I stay. It's funny because it's just like mother, Mother's Milk knows exactly how to get to Huey, whereas yeah. Butcher knows how to get to Huey in the opposite way. You know, Butcher is just nothing but annoying to, to Huey, whereas Mother's Milk just can talk to the kid and actually relate to him and help him through these the struggle that he has. MM is just the goat. That's just, I mean, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Like you For said, sure. like I would, I like if he was my uncle, that would be awesome. Oh, hundred percent. He's the cool uncle without like, a doubt. He, yeah. He would have been like growing up, like put you on all the best music, like taught you all the best life lessons, like legend. It's funny. And like, yeah, he was just <laughs> like, you know, you got to get out of here, man. He's like, yeah, no, I don't. I could just chill for a second. And then that just snapped. Huey's just like, fine, I'll leave. Yeah. So. so, MM gets Huey out of this whale's abdomen and, <laughs> you know, escaping the scene of the crime with the rest of the boys. And as they're in this kind of sewer system, we get an interaction between Butcher and MM where MM just says, hey, man, the kid's falling apart like all of us are, but Huey's not going to make it. And you need that kid. He's your canary. You let your canary die. When are you going to know when you went too far? That was such and, a good analogy, honestly. Like 100%. when he said that, I was like, that was so on point for MM. And it is like Huey is slowly becoming that voice of reason that keeps Butcher in check. Yeah. I guess like Frenchie and MM not never easy to do. <laughs> held him to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frenchie, I mean, I just like how MM like orders Frenchie like help Huey while I talk to uh, Butcher, and then he just comes up, kind of puts his arms on him, and goes Petit Huey, <laughs> feet move the feet. I fucking love Frenchie. Sorry, <laughs> Petit Huey. Okay, <laughs> so moving on, that was a quick little scene. We have the seven rolling up on the deep, literally the deep just holding this. Lucy in his arms, just like petting her, just like crying. <laughs> and Homelander's like, "What's going on here?" And he's just like. 
they fucking did it, man. They fucking killed Lucy. Like, all this shit. This is this was my favorite scene, absolutely right here. When Deep is just like, but 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 Lucy, she's she's dead. I have to grieve, you know. Like he's like, go get. Like why didn't you chase after him? And he's just like, I was grieving. Lucy just died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he like his revenue. Yeah, he promised. He's like, I'm gonna harvest your blubber. I'm gonna donate it. Like oh, giving yeah. her all this shit. Yeah, yeah so good. <laughs> so. Uh, the deep wow forgot his name the deep tells homelander that there were more people with the super terrorist um and the deep also has a conversation with starlight where he's preaching his church what's his church's church of the collective where he's cheech oh my gosh preaching his church of the collective bs saying oh i'm just trying to find my light and i hope that one day you accept me back into your life starlight's like there's not a fucking chance we're letting you back in the seven love that there is no shot you should be allowed back after what you've done but all the girls like mosey off like the rest of the seven goes to chase the boys um which leaves homelander with the deep and homelander's just like hey man don't sweat it i still got a couple things to smooth over with the ladies but we'll get you back into the seven my brother um and then his lasting words to him is oh and by the way you cut your suit your gill is showing it's disgusting that was somebody get my man a fresca stat my boy needs a fresca right now (laughs) Oh my god! He, so mean. Because based off all that he had been saying earlier, it sounded like you know he had finally overcame his yeah. his self consciousness, his you know anxiety, and all this stuff. And here it is, the big man himself, Homelander, telling him straight to his face that thing is fucking gross. You know. Yeah. So I wonder if the deep's going to end up, you know, still crazy with the Church Collective, or if he's just going to go back down that dark path. We'll see what's up with the deep. We we have been having we have loved every single scene that the deep has had. His storyline is just so out. Unfortunately, his misery is the best form of entertainment mm-hmm. so far. <laughs> yep. Good on that scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now all of the seven minus the deep is in the sewer system looking for the boys. Again, we get a train is just sprinting through the sewers, and we have another scene that highlights his how disoriented he is and feeling the effects of whatever health condition he's going through. Mm-hmm. Then we have starlight running into Huey and Huey's really happy to see her. He says, starlight, you, you got my message, but no sooner does he say that, that starlight just blasts him into next week. Um, and Homelander rolls up and tells starlight to kill Huey. Mm-hmm. This was an intense scene. This was really dark. And I knew she was, I just, I was just trying to think in my head, like, how are they going to get out of this? She is going to have to kill him right now. And his face, you know, he does have that face of acceptance. He's like, just do it, just do it. And he like closes his eyes. He's ready to take the blast. Mm -hmm. But it was very, I was, I did not know how they were going to get out of this. All the while though, they showed us that Butcher and MM are like right there seeing the scene unfold. And I was like, is Butcher going to step in and help? Or is he just going to like let Starlight pull the trigger? Because Starlight, I think, would have done it because she's smart enough to realize either he dies or we both die. Um, yeah. And she, and from Je- like Huey's face, she was just like, OK, he's willing to take the sacrifice. I, I yeah. have to do this. She wasn't going to she wasn't obviously over like with overwhelmed with happiness yeah. to do this. She was definitely questioning it. She was trying to hold it off as long as she could. But 
So we got absolutely a legendary Homelander line when he's like telling her to kill her and shit. And he looks at Hugh and he goes, chicks, right, Huey? (laughs) (laughs) Bro, you're the one trying to convince her to kill him. Like he's so cheeky at the worst times. Yep. But I was worried whether or not he would step in. And he does. We hear over the shoulder of Homelander, oi, cunt. (laughs) And homelander recognizes him he starts beaming from ear to ear he's like william what a surprise you know i had a great breakfast with your wife this morning pancakes delicious yeah he is the worst and the best at the same time but yeah somehow he just is fucking incredible every time he's on the fucking screen Mm -hmm. but Kenji pushes past MM and Butcher and absolutely demolishes Homelander. And this is the power yeah. we're talking about, man. Like I was saying he could be the ones, you know, stop Homelander in his tracks. And while he didn't do it here, like, you know, how he did with Kimiko, but he is literally unleashing the world on Homelander yes. right here. He his power is something that is one of the few we've seen so far that could neutralize Homelander. Yeah, I would say that is I guess, the best way. Potentially. It, yeah. What he did was the most effective attack against Homelander we've seen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. By had him out of commission drops, for a couple minutes. He drops the floor, Homelander starts to float there, and then he just drops the whole ceiling and he like drops like a subway train yeah, on the, him, right? Like, yeah, the whole subway train. There's okay. some cars that come down and obviously Homelander's gonna just tank this, yeah. but like the fact that he was able to do this was just a huge show off of his power. Yeah. yeah. He shows off the huge destructive power and then the finesse. Cause he goes to the hole and he just like moves the little piece of rubble oh, like, as, like, as a little platform and jumps and steps up on it. And I was Every, like, bro, yeah. I want Kenji and the boys so bad after this scene. It reminded me of a uh, static. It, I don't know if you guys have ever seen static shock, but static shock used that. Like, yeah, he, Superhero yeah, he reminded me. It reminded me of how he like flies around on his like I guess it's like a sewer thing that he. It's a trash can lid. Yeah, yeah trash it's can literally lid. a metal. Yeah, that's trash what can that lid. reminded yeah. me of. Um, that. We've had a lot of singing, singing on the podcast today between this and what we just did. <laughs> nice. It's it's been a good day for the pod. Anyway, following this scene, uh, like Dave just said, Kenji goes out the hole that he just made, and Kimiko is right on his back in hot pursuit. Um. And that's where we get Stormfront entering the fold and electrocutes them both into this kind of apartment complex thing. And this boy, was just, this whole scene, this scene incredible. goes out. This is where we get like the first insight into what Stormfront's all about. Yeah. So basically, I guess she throws Kenji and Kimiko into a building mm-hmm. and like Stormfront emerges from this building. They're all in the debris and everything. And there's a family like just watching a basketball game and she's stormfronts and trying to kill kenji and these people are just screaming at the top of their lungs and she just murders them just yeah these innocent bystanders who are doing absolutely nothing just statics them to death like father goes and the kids go and it is just so dark seeing a superhero just murder someone without like batting an eye at all just absolute in cold blood did not care about anybody yeah the the overwhelming difference in power is like it's just very uncomfortable to watch. Almost. If an evil superhero in a soup and like, yeah. And a person, I mean, they're just yeah. ants. Yeah. So going through this, I think she sees someone just in the stairwell that she also kills. So she's just going out of her. They're not even acceptable losses. She's going out of her way to kill. Citizens. Oh, absolutely. Like she's walking up the stairs. There's just a man coming down the stairs. No reason whatsoever to kill him, but just kills him just yeah, because, yeah. and then you see and, these wild explosions. Yeah. 
I think it is important to mention that um, they are all African-Americans. No, yeah. At the time, I, yeah. I definitely noticed that too. I didn't know why that was the case. I just kind of assumed like maybe it was just, you know, the area or whatever. But yeah, they were all African-American. Yeah, she's yeah. going way out of her way to destroy this building. Mm-hmm. And the, the CGI yeah. effects that we get of like the building exploding, you see the electricity shocks coming out and like it was just so well done. She's crazy strong, mm-hmm. Stormfront. She is crazy strong. Um, but yeah, so she's just reaping chaos through this apartment complex. Kimiko and Kenji retreat to the roof of this apartment complex, followed by Stormfront, who easily neutralizes Kimiko and then starts to move in on Kenji, just breaks his hands off at the wrist which was insane i had to go back and watch that to make sure this is like the boys always has me doing this where i'm just like is this really happening right now like i can't believe that kenji's just about to go right here like kimiko come on where you at but obviously she's unconscious at this point in time or at least just waking up from being unconscious and struggling to get up but yeah yeah. she's she's watching the the whole thing after she gets uh after he gets his ass kicked by Thanos, she's kind of just like hides in the corner and is like, I can't do anything about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sound so of her yeah, so gruesome. his wrists and then his like sobs afterwards are like little, they're a little stomach turning. I was like, oh, this is fucked. It was so fucking awful. Yeah. So she breaks his hands off, says, oh, you can't do your little hand tricks anymore. Um, she's just like playing with him and oh, before absolutely. she kills him, like it's, She's choking she's him and she's just like, look at me in the eyes. Like, I like watching the light go out. It's yeah. That's when you really then, see, wow, this chick is messed up in the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, she says that and then she snaps his neck. And this is where we get the first confirmed Stormfront is a racist. She says, fucking yellow bastard. Yep. So this is where we're connecting the dots. She killed all those African-American citizens that were just minding their own business. She made this comment. Stormfront's a racist. Mm hmm. Definitely confirmed. Definitely confirmed with the uh, because when I was watching the scene, I didn't really notice it was all African American people. But then when she said that, and then going back to the rewatch, I'm like, yeah, this is just a hundred percent her being racist without a doubt. Yep. So are we good on the R.I.P. Kenji? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I was really hoping that he would be, as you said, one of the boys. He his power would have been so good against Homelander, but Stormfront is just so powerful. Honestly, she, her, and Homelander, we could kind of tell based on their jarring and their jarrings and back and forth. But she is right up there on Homelander, like power. Homelander's on his own level, I would say, but I would probably say she's the second strongest in the seven. I would love. I, I hope that's something we get though in the future. She would murk Starlight. Oh yeah. yeah. Also, we see her next oh, episode. I think so too. I think next but episode Homelander is the first time we see her fly away too, and she can fly like. Homelander could was, fly. She broke the sound barrier. I'm pretty good. sure once she yeah. shot up in the air at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's pretty bad that our the boys like our squad are kind of getting a little weaker. They're kind of mentally fracturing and such. And then the bad side, which is the corrupt soups are just adding another fucking nuclear missile basically to their arsenal. All right. Mm -hmm. But as we, as I said earlier, I feel like we may be able to get some more soups that are going to be sympathetic to the boys cause, or at least more soups that are going to be anti vaught Mm -hmm. I'm thinking a train and the deep can be on that route. Yeah, they could be. I definitely see the deep more at this point in time. I definitely see the deep being Um, more of that guy, 
But a train is if yeah. the deep becomes one of the boys. There's just you no way. I, I don't think. I think no as way. of right now, I think it. Bo- they both sound ludicrous. But I, I'm not. I'm not totally <laughs> taking that off the table. That that could happen. All right. I'm in. We good on that scene? Rip Kenji. Aye, aye. Uh, yeah, Moving. just cover the uh, Homelander a little bit towards the end right there. Like they have a little back, like Stormfront and Homelander have a little just basically Homelander mm-hmm. arrives right after Kenji is murdered by Stormfront. And he's like, I said, I wanted the kill. That was my kill. I wanted the yeah. glory. And she's just like, you snooze, you lose, Gramps. And boy, Homelander did yeah. not like that he's one best. bit. She's, she's definitely trying to take the all this like the spotlight from him i would say at this nope. point nobody's like stepped up to homelander because they're also afraid of him and i yeah. think this is the yep. first person that isn't afraid enough and i don't know if that's oh, because... no man the next scene bro she fucking looks him right in the eye and it's like damn right bitch i'm coming yeah. for your spot and yeah. i don't know if it's because maybe she doesn't know homelander that well maybe just because homelander has known everyone else way longer that he's been able to create this place of fear but yeah, Stormfront just rolls up and just does not give a flying fuck of like who Homelander is whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm going to finally close that scene out. And our last scene of the episode is opening up with Edgar talking at a press conference. It's his first time publicly speaking about the Compound V news story breaking. He just says, I had no knowledge whatsoever of any of this. We believe it was a small, disaffected group of scientists led by Madeline Stillwell. So they're trying to pawn this off on Stillwell, who's dead. It's fucked up. It it's, the easy, up. it's the easy way out for them, honestly. Yeah. Just blame it on someone who's already dead. There's no way for them to find out. Yeah. So he says, uh, and today, uh, you know, the super terrorist known as Kenji caused quite a bit of damage, but it would have been much worse if not for our brave superheroes, specifically Stormfront, t- at which point Stormfront gets up to address the media and says, thank you. But we all know who the real heroes are, the people struggling every day. And that is a line right out of the Homelander playbook. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's gunning <laughs> for his spot. Now yep. she's taking his talking points. It's, yep. Looks yeah. right. Looks dead. Looks at him dead yeah. in the eye and just gives him his own quote. And that is episode three, right? Anything else? No, I'm I'm good. That was because since the first three episodes were all released at the same time, we couldn't do this in our first episode, but I think this was a great way to end the, fir- the the start of the second season just because you get introduced to this new villain with conflicting opinions about Homelander. It's another person for Homelander to be looking out for. Yeah. It was just a good way to start the season off. Episode three may have been my favorite episode. I think of the first three episodes, the two scenes that I will never be able to forget is uh, Rainer's head exploding <laughs> yep, and driving through the whale and black noir. I think for me also when he's fucking up mm. Nakib in the yeah. very, well, beginning. we just love black. Noir. Yeah. We just so, love yeah. black noir, but that but, whale scene was crazy. I'm going to like, remember that from year. Like, Oh yeah. That was 100%. just an insane scene. That was like a television. staple. That's, that's going to be a staple for the boys going yeah. forward. A hundred percent. There's definitely, I'm sure already like merch out there for like rip Lucy and stuff. Rip like Lucy. if there's not, <laughs> if there's yeah, not, true. Yeah, sure. if there's true, not, yeah, rip Kenji, rip Lucy. We just yeah. got to get some like the seven swag. Like oh, I wanted the deep shirt or it's something. It's funny because the, uh, this, like the, I guess the website you can buy all the, all their merch is literally like a Vought website. I'm pretty sure. Like, it's yeah, like that's Vought. Cool. Com yeah, or sure something. Do cool shit like that. like that and we're just gonna keep humming along here with episode four nothing like it in the world 
And we start off with, it almost looks like someone's getting interviewed for like a dating app or something like that. Yeah, or, I was like, try, like, we got a couple of these scenes just sporadic throughout. We don't get contacts until the end. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I was but like, yeah. what is this? What, why is this until relevant? Until we get the contacts, I'm just going to say another like dating app interview. Yeah, it's basically that. So exactly. yeah, we have, you know, pretty girl just answering a question about like a past relationship. It like was really love. weird and out of place. We didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, she just brings up an old sob story of like love and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then we get a quick cut to the boys in the hideout mm-hmm. and starting off hot with we Frenchie just finally I talked about it in a I guess what the preview episode that I'm itching for some more French rap music and this transition <laughs> got me so hype. Yeah, <laughs> I just had a big smile on my face, like let's go. I did like the transition song, it was yeah. really good. But we have our boy Frenchie just Doing a couple lines of coke, so yeah. yeah, he's just getting high, and then we get the iconic "the boys" text, mm-hmm. just Frenchy looking at himself in the mirror, fresh off a line of coke. Um, and then we kind of go through the hideout and see Kimiko watching news coverage of Kenji, essentially just seeing the media perpetrate this story of how Kenji was a horrible person, saying that eyewitnesses recount him as having a steely demeanor and looking bone curder curdlingly heartless and Kimiko's just watching this knowing how it's all lies and missing her brother Kimiko is really upset she is very pissed off about the whole situation and how it's being interpreted through the media as her brother's being I mean he wasn't I can't say he was a good guy yeah but there was hope for him and they're just making him seem like he was the villain which Mm -hmm. I guess that's what he was there to be and yeah Frenchie here and I guess he was like I guess the reason why he's doing the lines is that seeing Kimiko so distraught really is affecting him i guess is why he's because i feel like before this he wasn't really in that bad of a place but now here he is the first this is the first time we've seen him do drugs i think honestly i i you don't quote me on that we but, see him smoking all the time yeah, smoking, yeah we know yeah. he's around drugs but yes yeah, um and later on in in the episode butcher says you know Frenchie's been getting high as a kite for weeks. Like he won't even notice I'm gone. So yes, he's he's abusing recreational drugs more so than he did when he was operating on all cylinders, I would say. And then he proceeds to try and make a move on Kimiko. Yeah, we got sugar lips Frenchie. Make it (laughs) shooting his shot, man. Which was definitely not the the time for it. Read the room, bro. We understand, like when he talks about it with that, this chick later on, I guess it brings more light to the situation. But when I'm watching, I'm just like, what Mm -hmm. the hell, man? That is not the time. Yeah, I'm glad glad that we did get that conversation later where he explains himself, but why? But we'll get to that. But that's just just part of who Frenchie is, I guess. This is like, he was genuinely just trying to make her feel comfortable Mm -hmm. but that was just not the time so yeah he rightfully gets like pushed up against the wall kimiko's like what the hell are you doing doesn't say that because she can't talk (laughs) but frenchie (laughs) knows that she was completely not about it and kind of just like kicks himself and walks out of he's definitely down on himself yeah he's pretty bummed about that because you know that's such a sweet relationship between the two of them and in his mind he's probably just like oh no did i just screw up what we had and and i don't know if you guys had felt it but i personally didn't feel like a loving relationship between them like i never would have pictured them as like someone that would be shipped off together i always thought it was more of like a brother sister kind of thing where he was just always looking out for but i mean i wasn't the kiss didn't, I guess, surprise me. It surprised me that he did it at that moment in time, but I was still just like, I always had thought them as more of brother and sister rather than like lovers. Yeah. Well, it's obvious that Frenchie has love for Kimiko. Yeah. 
And I just wasn't I, sure, I guess, what kind of love. I always was. thought that there was a little bit of a romantic aspect to it from Frenchie, like on Frenchie's end. I'm not sure if Kimiko was ever feeling that at all, but I also think that Frenchie just likes being there for her mm-hmm. and that if he was in his right state of mind, he never would have made Completely that move. Agree. Completely but agree. he was high, so that's where yeah. I'm at. It's just so tough yeah, seeing my was, boy take an L like that. Yeah, it was an L, and Frenchie's going to eat that L. But we'll talk about Frenchie later. I want to move on to the next scene, which is Homelander just kind of watching Stormfront news in the top of Vaught Tower. And Stormfront <laughs> is just talking shit on Vaught and telling people to kind of like attend this anti-Vaught rally. And Homelander is pissed. Mm-hmm. He's just livid whenever he sees anything Stormfront. Yeah, 100%. But after he sees that, I guess he's very distraught and he flies to this unassuming log cabin. And who is this. in there but Madeline Stilwell, I was dressed like, in lingerie, offering him <laughs> a nice glass of milk. Of teat milk, maybe. Oh, oh my oh, yeah. God. This is the scene that just, oh, I could not. I, well, one, I was just like, <laughs> how the hell is Madeline Stilwell alive? Number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, when they start getting into it, are you thirsty? And then she starts like finger feeding him milk. I'm just like, this is uncomfortable. I did have to like kind of fast forward a little bit through it. I Kyle, just couldn't watch thoughts? it. Just absolutely gag worthy. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so bad. And she hits him with like the, my good boy. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God. Like, why is she back in the fucking story? And yeah, they just start making, that was my thought too, is why is she back in the story? But we'll I know. And the, the little trivia things that they dropped down, like they were bastards about it too. Cause I think it was like Madeline Stillwell. Like, wow. How's she back? I was like, yo, don't fuck with us trivia facts. You're supposed to give us facts, it. not questions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's all we get for this one scene. Yeah. And we'll revisit the cabin later. I want to move on to butcher going to visit Mallory. And I, I think they were at like the memorial outside of the apartment complex that Stormfront had just ruined. Yeah, that's exactly Is that where what, they were? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, I gotcha. actually didn't catch that until you were talking about mm-hmm. it, but yeah, it's the memorial for all the people that were in the building. And Mallory, one, touches on, you know, we, first off, we can't have an anonymous skull-exploding assassin walking around <laughs> referencing the person who killed Rainer. Right. She said, who's next? Like, the Speaker of the House or even the President? Like, this person cannot exist if they can just explode people's heads all willy-nilly. Totally valid question. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, second, Mallory gives Butcher the magazine with this superhero, Liberty, on the cover, who we got the name drop in the last episode, and we're getting a little bit more on her. Uh, she says, Liberty was a second-tier soup active in the late 70s, was all over Susan Rayner's private server. Um you know, get Marvin, who is MM. I forget his name's Marvin all the time, but yeah, she says, too. get get MM to talk to this Liberty person, and I think we're going to be able to start connecting some dots. I wonder if there's, like, some, like, reason that they call him... Uh, I mean, there's obviously a reason, but I wonder if we'll get the reason on why they call him Mar- uh, Mother's Milk and not just Marvin. Did we know. get it in season one? We might like we have, but that's definitely something I don't I ain't asking remember. questions, man, dude. Yeah. Mother's Milk is a much better name than Marvin Milk. Actually, Marvin Milk is a <laughs> Marvin pretty good Milk. Name is too. Yeah, yeah. What I was gonna say, Marvin T. Milk. That name's hard. Yeah, that is like, definitely it is. That's Our boy like, MM is just hard, man. The hardest man to wear to use a uh, Purell with aloe. Marvin T. Milk reminds me of a name from that Key and Peele 
uh, skit of them like <laughs> reading the list of like football player names. It's just like it's just one it's of not those. Not better just... than uh, it's not better than Jarvis, Jamar, Javaris, and Jamar though. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's not yeah. better than Hingle McCringleberry. Shout <laughs> out Penn true. State. Shout out Penn State. But yeah, so this Mallory Butcher interaction continues with Mallory saying that she found Becca and she just gave Butcher her address and Butcher says, we had a deal. I didn't get you the super terrorist. And Mallory just says, look, I'm, I'm just giving it to you. Take it. You've been through a lot, man. Like you kind of deserve this. It was, it was kind of like a nod to Butcher. And I think she also made it sound like she was trying to kind of quell her own conscience too and kind yeah. of just right the wrongs that they've had in their complicated history together 100 percent. i think she was trying to get them to like you know f- finally come together because they had always been arguing every time we had seen them like she does have sympathy for butcher 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 butcher's a <laughs> wanker but like he has definitely been through it in his life he, yeah. he is a damaged person and yeah mallory sees that she's damaged too and that's just one person reaching out to another. The job I really they like have. that scene. The Mallory's job they are really, really like this scene. The job they're a part of is just so stressful. So obviously yeah. there's going to be a lot of heat between people when it comes to murder, like a job of murdering superheroes. <laughs> yeah. So going out of this conversation, Butcher's motivations are now one, get in contact with this old soup Liberty. And two, we have Becca's address. So Butcher has a lead on Becca. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we t- out here, boys. Yeah. Uh, so that takes us out of that scene. The next scene is revisiting Homelander and Stillwell, unfortunately. Um, and Homelander is kind of just like venting to her, expressing anger about Stormfront for being the, and I quote, media whore face of the seven. He's just like pissed in general and is venting to Stillwell about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just really, you know, more like mother child, like. Yeah, it's, it's from it's them. It's really uncomfortable. Dynamic. But this is where we find out why Stillwell is alive and well because, because she's not she is alive. not Madeline Stillwell. <laughs> yeah. It is our friend Doppelganger who we saw in the first season. His power is kind of like Mystique from X-Men. He can just take the form of any other person and he is being employed by Homelander to just act as Stillwell, which is so creepy. It's just so weird because we know Homelander is very misogynist like I feel like he wouldn't stand for homosexuality per se. So the fact that he's for, well, I guess I don't even know if doppelganger is confirmed a male, you know, who knows he's a being at this point in time, yeah. but it's just kind of goes against his will. And you can kind of see that too, when he's changing, he's just like, you got to go back right now because other, like he feels like it's wrong, obviously, yeah. but also he's just looking he for 100% felt his dick. Like his head was right on his lap. And then he changes back into what we were doing. male. That. Oh, oh, that's that's that that's what I got. Yeah. Out of oh, yeah. He when like he was, shoots up and is like, "Go back, go back, go back, go back." He didn't <laughs> yeah. think about that, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. When he gets up and he's like, you hear the the rumbling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like on the back of his head, he was like, "Oh, that's that's a penis, that's a penis." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just. It was a very awkward scene, definitely. Yeah, and then the part somehow we... lays back down. I mean, he already knows that it's doppelganger, so he's past that point. But like after having just seen him as a doppelganger and then change back to Stillwell and then lays his head back on the lap. I was like, no, he's just trying to comfort himself. And it's, yeah, it's just so, I think I'm good. I've vented enough. We good good. on this. No, I just want to say that the only good thing about him putting his head back on the lap is that we get the camera shift a little bit to the over the top titty shot. We get a little, yeah, like that. which I mean, Hey, 
Hey, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll support some cleavage anytime. Why not? Nice. <laughs> so moving on, we revisit the boys hideout um, and Butcher is just kind of getting his plans together. He's saying, hey, I'm going to find Becca. I'm doing this. And he puts MM in charge. Um, he says, hey, uh, I know you want to find your family again. If you talk to this Liberty soup for Mallory, she'll scratch your back in the same way she scratched my back. And then he says, she always did like you more than me anyway. Um, fair to fair assumption. <laughs> yeah. And then MM says, you know, well, well that's all good for me, but what about Frenchie? What about the kid? And Butcher responds with, Frenchie's been high as a kite for weeks, and Huey's a crier. I don't want him getting snot on my jacket or something like that. So he's just trying to give the boys the old Irish exit and run off into the sunset with Becca. Mm-hmm. Kind of a dick move, if you ask me. He's He has uprooted all three of their lives to suit his own personal game and gain, and now he's just saying sayonara. Yeah, I mean, I, under- I understand that he's in a rush to get to his wife and everything, but you have to make time for the boys, you know? You got to make time. You got to say your goodbyes. You got to, you're leaving with with no closure whatsoever yeah. with anybody. You're just doing the same thing you did at the beginning of the season. You just, you're just leaving without saying a word to anyone except for MM. But yeah, just dick move straight up by Butcher for sure. Cal, you good on that one? Yeah, I mean, they do have a nice little dab bro class at the end but mm wasn't that, yeah. feeling it yeah it's a little unsatisfactory but you know the boys can't stay apart for too long so mm-hmm. we'll be back uh next scene is homelander well starlight is in an elevator at vault tower by herself and right as the door is closing we see <laughs> homelander stick his arm through and his his nice little blue suit and he walks in and immediately just hits the emergency stop and puts himself in closed quarters alone with starlight and he just says i gave you a second chance and you still failed me um and then it starts to get a little bit of violent uh because starlight is playing dumb and he pins her up against the wall and starts choking her and is you know just saying why didn't you kill huey when you had the chance i told you to kill him and you hesitated this was very terrifying. I was terrified from being Starlight's perspective, personally. I don't know if you were going to say something, Kyle, yeah. but... Kyle? Well, yeah, it's just... Right when he walks into the elevator, it's just like, oh, no. Like, mm. this is just not going to go well. And then yeah. he puts her up against the wall with his right hand, and he's going south with his left hand. And I was like, not again. Like, we can't handle another sexual assault thing going on in this yeah. show. And what he does to her, it felt like something I've seen in an anime almost, where he's kind of just, like, putting his fingers, like, right up in her liver or spleen or something and yeah. just keep pressing and pressing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Does not look very She kills it, though. She kills it under pressure. She has mm-hmm. a phenomenal response, and I kind of have it here. Um, she just says, Huey Campbell broke my heart worse than anyone else has. Part of me wants to blast his fucking face off, but if you want to kill me just because I'm not a murderer and I won't kill someone just like that on, you know, the drop of a dime, then you just go ahead and do that. And then she looks him dead in the eyes and says, tell me if I'm lying. To which Let's he replies, go! you're not lying. Yeah, we see him just 
walk right out and says, you're not lying. You can hear the conviction in her voice. Maybe she honestly, I feel like she might have to an extent almost like did believe what she was saying. You know, that's how she was able to fool Homelander. Well, 100%. That's the truth. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. one of the only things she could have said where she was one, telling the truth and two, it was a truth that wouldn't get her. piss off Homelander yeah, enough to her kill her. Mm-hmm. It was very good. She was just like, hey, man, I'm not a machine that just kills people for you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a human being. Right. You know, I'm going to hesitate when you t- tell me to kill someone that I love. Yeah. So Starlight takes the, uh, gets off the easy end of that, I guess, if you want to even say Well, that. she lives. I guess yeah, she lives. That's yeah, the, that's yeah, the yeah, good that's way. The good and this brings us to our first scene of Black Noir this episode, I believe, where he is approaching... We've been introduced to this character before. She's kind of just like the desk jockey who does a lot of their computer work. I don't know. She does intelligence for Vaught, and Black Noir is recruiting her services. He comes up to her with a piece of construction paper with the word butcher written in all caps, (laughs) and she just looks at him, and it's just like, oh, do you mean... William Butcher? Like, what, what do you want me to do? Black Noir is great. I love how he like communicates with people without actually mm-hmm. communicating with people. People just can read his mood, I guess. They yeah. just know what he wants just from not saying anything. <laughs> and in typical Black Noir fashion or typical of the way they give us info about him, he does not fuck with Almond Joys. Yeah. And <laughs> as we learned, some characters... I personally am not a fan of Almond Joys, but as we learned, some characters are big fans of Almond I love Joys. Almond Joys. Really? Yeah. Top three candy. Oh, look at that. We got a, uh, got a, a old uh, Jeffrey Dahmer on the pod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's well, right. Okay. Well, I'll vent, I'll vent here. So Almond Joys are really good, but if you take the almond out of Almond Joy, then all you have is just pure joy. So what I really like is Mounds, which is an Almond Joy, but they just yank that almond out of there and they replace the milk chocolate with dark chocolate. So I'm a Mounds Ooh, guy. Okay. Mounds might make my top three, if oh, I'm being honest. Interesting. But that, that's Dahmer. not something I like to share with people because I know I'm not <laughs> supposed just, to like You've just told it to thousands of followers. I know. <laughs> I know. Millions. Yeah. Millions of followers. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so we're going to move on to a scene with Annie and Huey, Annie slash Starlight and Huey. Um, And Annie brings up the message that he left about the second wind and Huey's immediately just like, I don't want to talk about that. That's embarrassing. I don't I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I wouldn't want that either. If something so like embarrassing and personal is brought up, it's just like, ah, stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But they're just kind of catching up with each other. They say you know, Vaught is still kicking. They're still puttering around. So basically, we risked our lives to break this Compound V story just to make the world an even worse place because Vaught is now just passing the blame for the Compound V stuff and they're still surviving despite it. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty upset with the situation. And Huey receives a call from MM saying that they're going to Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. What was, why are they going there again? Oh, that's that for, was the yeah, address from Mallory. Yeah. Um, or at least that get the information. Yeah. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah. So right off the bat, Huey kind of wants to keep her in the dark because it's that whole thing. The less you know, the more protected you're going to be. Um, but then he kind of goes back on that and it turns into he wants to bring Starlight along to North Carolina with him and MM. and Because she breaks down. She's just like, I can't go back to the tower. Like, Homelander will literally kill me. Like, he wouldn't kill me yet, but I'm on thin ice with him right now. 
Yeah, I think she says something like, it's like walking around with a loaded gun pointed in your face. Like, I don't know when Homelander is going to snap and kill me. So, yeah, that's a terrifying thing to have to do. I'd be avoiding Vought Tower as well. Um, Part of me thought my boy Huey was about to fumble this and just walk away. Yeah, I really turned back around. I completely agree. Yeah, seen I, I thought before. he was going to walk away. I was like, bro, don't walk away. Yeah, yeah, especially like in all the, like even in the last uh, podcast episode when we were talking about like how he should have just told her to her face like what was going on and he still is like, oh, I'm not lying. Like everything's good. It's like now he got his redemption. He was like, he's learning a little bit. He's like, I'll, okay, I will include you, you know, where it's here. Yeah. So Huey says to MM, come on. She's like, She's really upset right now. Like she needs this. And then MM says, does she need it or do you need it? And he was like, well, yeah, maybe I do kind of <laughs> need it. But point of the story is Starlight is coming with two out of four of the boys to North Carolina to see Liberty. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Kyle. I was just going to say MM makes a bunch of so many good points in his argument where it's like she can't fucking come with us. First of all. And second of all, like her just standing on the sidewalk right now is so dangerous. Like she is one of the most famous people in the city. I don't understand how people don't recognize her. I think that kind of goes to the whole like heroes, like mass and everything. Like, I guess it's supposed to be like, it's not like obvious that they're the same person, but I guess it's just like when they're in their superhero outfit, it's supposed to cover up their secret identity, I guess. Like I, 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 I was picking up on that too, Kyle, but. I think that's yeah. just, I think it's just supposed to be like night and day, apparently, when they're in their outfits and when they're not. I have no idea. Yeah, I would think that she would get recognized yeah, once or I twice. Mean, it's but, so you obvious. know, I don't think yeah. they're going to like force that into the story. Mm-hmm. Moving on, though, we go back to Vaught Tower and A Train runs into Shockwave, who's. Mm-hmm just hanging out at Vault Tower and Adrian reads between the lines and he storms right into Ashley's office and says, yo, what the hell's going on? Like what's Shockwave doing here? Ashley is denying anything, just saying he's here for Vault for Tots or something like that. Like, Vault uh, for Tots, yeah. Yeah, Scott's tots. so funny. <laughs> I was thinking of Scott's Tots. Yeah, Scott's Tots. <laughs> um, but then Homelander comes in like a minute later and says, oh, good, you're both here. Ashley, did you tell him the news? And A-Train's out of the seven, just like that. (laughs) Homelander's like, you're out, A-Train. Because he had seen A-Train when they were in the tunnels in the last episode, uh, struggling to run a little bit. And right now he's explaining to him, he's like, I saw you. You can't run anymore. Like, we already know that Homelander won't accept people with disabilities into the seven. Now A-Train is himself handicapped, and there is no shot that Homelander is going to allow his presence in the Seven any longer. Yeah, Homelander says, it's nothing personal, but like I know what's been going on with your heart. You're probably not even cracking the top 20 anymore. So he's just slowed down, and he said it's embarrassing for us to have not the fastest man in the world in the Seven. Yeah, and we haven't... He's right. I mean... He is. It's yeah. a fucking business. Sure. And if A Train ain't the fastest, then what's the point of being in the top superhero group? And it was sure. never, it still hasn't been confirmed. Like, I made a prediction that Shockwave would have been a part of the seven, but I don't think it's official at this point in time that Shockwave's in the seven yet. Like, it, we just know that A Train's yeah. out, I think. Yeah. There's just two really funny lines in this scene when when she brings up the the vaude for tots and A Train's like, well, shit, I fucking love fat kids. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. scene. And then when a, uh, Homelander's giving him the whole spiel, the whole shtick, and he's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, we had good times while we were family, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, it literally says out loud, et cetera. <laughs> he yeah. just says it like that. <laughs> it's just so funny. 
Tony Starr is great as Homelander, man. <laughs> Homelander he hit that motherfucker with an etc. Yeah, yeah. etc. I was like, how fucking disrespectful is that? <laughs> we good on that scene, though? Yeah, good scene. Moving on, we have MM, Starlight, and Huey on their road trip. And they're just kind of like hanging out in the car. Um, we didn't hear... start the fire. Well, first we hear Starlight's, uh, <laughs> we hear Starlight's translucent cover song on like two separate stations yeah, like oh my gosh i can't believe it and he was like you have like a really good voice you yeah, can like tell do her the shape things <laughs> and i'm like vibrato. vibrato it's called vibrato yeah. um, huey's a fucking simp yeah he, yeah he really for is. sure but Starlight and Huey then just break it down to We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. They both know like every single word. Fun fact, the song We Didn't Start the Fire is actually off of Billy Joel's album called Stormfront. No way. Yeah, isn't that wild? Nice. Yeah, isn't that cool? That? Nice. Yeah, I thought that was a nice, like, it, was, it makes the song even more fitting for, yeah, the, for the show. And um, another interesting tidbit about the scene is that they drive past a billboard that says, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that baby you abort okay. might be super, but now we know that that's not true because and was also, born super. And I also thought was interesting was that Homelander had, a, a con- I think it was a Confederate flag, actually, as his, his escape rather than... Did um, Yeah, on the drawing that was on the barn of him, it was a Confederate flag uh, for his cape rather than just an American gotcha. flag. Hmm. So, I mean, that... I didn't yeah, see that. Shows that deep racism, I guess. You know, Homelander, all that stuff. Well, they're so, in the South now. Yeah, they're also in the South. Yeah, so. not that the South, you know, is inherently racist, but the, the next, the, the next flag is. Yeah, the next couple scenes will show that um, there's definitely racism in the South. But we have a quick cut to another one of those weird dating interview girls. That's. Mm-hmm just kind of talking about a past relationship or something. These don't really mean anything to us now, yeah, but we'll nothing. get into it later. It's just another like cute girl, like talking in an interview setting. Mm-hmm. Um, next scene we get is butcher sneaking into Becca's gated complex community thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all we get is him like landing that's inside it. the walls, <laughs> which takes us to the next scene, which is Frenchie <laughs> wasted. <laughs> Just knocking up at Sherry's door, just absolutely fucked up. He essentially is just shooting his shot, and Sherry's pretty receptive too. Yeah, she's all in. Swish. Yeah, yeah swish. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be like a friends with benefits kind of thing. Like we'll fuck, and then we'll have our you know pillow talk afterwards. And they do have their pillow talk. Yep. Um, and Kimiko comes up, and he's just like. Yeah, I tried to kiss her, and Sherry's like, "You thought you could make her better for losing." you know feel better after losing her brother by just like kissing her and frenchie just says you know she was in pain and i just wanted to help make her feel better like i I was just trying to help and i like how she flips it she's just like were you trying to help her were you trying to help yourself and that's you know i think really what he was trying to do was help himself he might not have realized it but yeah it seemed like he was trying to help himself more than kimiko yeah i mean that's kind of he's been using that excuse not really an excuse but for so long in this season at this point Mm -hmm. where it's kind of you know i was trying to help her i'm doing it for kimiko and all this stuff but i really 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 enjoyed this conversation because yeah i think it shed a lot of light Mm -hmm. yeah and sherry's a babe i agree definitely i'm not a bit she has bangs right i'm not i'm not usually big on bangs but sherry can definitely get it i also just love the way she opens up the conversation when she's like so you're gonna tell me what's wrong are you just gonna stain my clean sheets with your sweaty despair i was like (laughs) she's a poet she's a fucking wordsmith 
And also, I thought it was really funny. I'm sorry. I just like this little tick when she says, she's not a kitten up a tree. Just leave her alone. Hmm. Let her grieve. And the hmm is just, I feel like that's something that Frenchie says when he's, because, you know, his native language is French. And then yeah. when he speaks English, he always kind of says like, hmm, and things like that. Like, no, yeah. like, ends things with a question. No, I just thought it was, that might have been a tick that she picked up from him. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Sherry is a good character. And I know that you guys were calling for her in the preview episode. You guys wanted to see more Sherry. And this is the second time we've seen her. So Sherry's making her appearance in this new season and I'm here for it. Yep. Moving right along. We catch up with MM Starlight and Huey again. Um, MM and Starlight kind of have like a little bit of a heart to heart in the, in this, booth in a diner starlight tells a story about her dad and how her mom used to always be trying to get her to cut calories but her dad would take her out to dunkin donuts and get her dunkins or take her yeah. to dunkin donuts and get her donuts um and this is another name drop for starlight's dad who i am theorizing is not dead and he's gonna play an important role because starlight mm. always remembers him fondly and all we know about him is that he just kind of left because he couldn't handle lying to Starlight, right? About Compound V. That was the disconnect, and that's what mm-hmm. made the dad leave. So yeah. I like getting a name drop because I think he's going to be an important character. Maybe I'm just way out of left field on that. No, no you're think, good. Yeah, you're good. I, um, I, really, I literally wrote down, we need to meet his ass. <laughs> yeah, right? I think he's going to be a good guy for I sure. Even, I didn't even pick up on that when I was watching it, but I agree after hearing you talk. I think I, yeah. I would like to see if he does. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he's a soup himself. We don't really, probably well, the not. Re- yeah. The reason he left Starlight and her mom is because her mom was all okay. in on lying to her about Compound V. Mm-hmm. And if like that rubbed him the wrong way, then that means he's probably a good he's guy. probably got know? some good morals then. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely, if that's the case, I'm all in to meet him. MM shares a funny story about how his dad every Sunday after church used to take them to Baskin Robbins and literally sample every single flavor. So they just share, you know, lighthearted chat. MM and Starlight haven't really had this heart to heart. I feel like they were indifferent towards each other. And now they're both starting to open up to each other. And I think it's good that other members of the boys are getting this side of Annie slash Starlight. Makes them a little bit more open and receptive to working with the soups. Yeah. Oh yeah. This, and it's a good thing. This episode basically hit us with almost everyone in the show is an onion. I mean, we're getting emotional (laughs) layers from so many characters and back to back to back scenes. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Um, so they have a toast to fathers and sugar. MM, uh, (laughs) they leave the diner and MM says that (laughs) Annie should not be using dry wipes. She has to use the wet wipes. He is just such a, he's germaphobe to the max. He's just, it's funny because he's such a strong character. Like he comes off as this hardo and then he's got a little bit of a soft spot to him with, when it comes to germs. Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. Are you dry wiping? <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Yeah. It's... He's like, you dry wiping, you're just you're just rubbing all this shit around. You gotta use the wet wipes. <laughs> he made me question bringing yes! around wet wipes. Yeah. You know? Now I'm yeah, like, right. I might bring wet wipes everywhere. Anyway, they're just about to pull out of the diner and like an 18-wheeler just T-bones a car. Starlight, her superhero instincts kick in and she immediately wants to go and help mm and huey hold her back and are just like hey you're you're not starlight right now you you have to keep it low key they got this this guy's calling 911 you can't help 
I was so that, I was surprised that they managed to stop her. I really thought she was going to go in there and start causing a scene, but good on all of them to just get the hell out of there and not yeah, do anything. I'm glad that MM and Huey were on top of the situation, which they would be. They're seasoned vets at this point yeah, dealing definitely. with soups. Um, but I'm also glad that Annie was smart enough to accept that she couldn't help Mm -hmm. like that all just happened very quickly i like that annie's part i really like i feel like that was such a big scene like i i I doubt it's going to come back into play at all but i felt like that was just really dramatic and the fact that they just left it like just leads me to believe there could be something else but i highly doubt it but something else like about the car uh, yeah, accident like, or no like just anything about like maybe that like what was in the truck you know like was he mm. delivering something was there someone of importance in the other car you know uh, it's okay. just all so you're saying like it could have been a mistake for them to because it just help. like it seemed like this like the cgi for it was really well done like it was a big ruckus like a lot of stuff and it just felt like they had exited that scene very quickly and i just wasn't sure if maybe like something would happen like maybe it was just just a car crash yeah no yeah yeah. Yeah. absolutely like i said i highly doubt it's going to come back to play but it it just felt like they exited really quickly which i guess they were supposed to do so moving right along that takes us to our next butcher scene and he is now in kind of that walled area that becca is living and he's hiding in her car becca notices that her passenger side door is ajar so she goes out to investigate, sees that Butcher's there, and Butcher, the reason he's hiding in the car is because he doesn't want to get seen by the many, many car- cameras that are in this development, mm-hmm. I guess you would call it. Yeah, Vought's got their eyes all on Becca Butcher, because obviously right. she and her son are of very big importance to them, so mm-hmm. yeah, her property is just bugged up. So the two of them drive to this bridge area that we'll see again. I guess that's just a place that Becca knows that she can be safe from Vought's all-seeing eye so they drive there together and have their first kind of like extended conversation since they last saw each other i guess Mm -hmm. it's been a while yeah they were doing a little bit of catch-up and um a lot it was just like a lot of love talk at first and then i think for me one of the only things that really was like of importance there is just that she had explicitly said that she would have taken her own life for ryan basically like well I we don't finally know, yeah. find out exactly what the deal was because we were wondering yeah. why Homelander didn't kill Bit- Butcher and she explicitly says I had a deal with Homelander that if you were hurt in any way shape or form I would kill myself in front of Ryan and make my last words to him your father this is happening this. because of your father right. Homelander and she said for whatever reason Homelander seems desperate to have like a relationship with Ryan so it worked once but like that's it. That's only going to work. But once. she did. She did say she meant those words, though. She would yeah. have definitely taken her own life at that yeah, point, for sure. So that's just that's just an ode to how mm-hmm. much she just despises Homelander. Shit. If she's willing to take her own life to make everyone else around her hate him, mm-hmm. she'll do anything. So I this was a really nice like part one to their reunion. I mean, obviously we get a, a part two mm-hmm. to the you know reunion scene, but when he gives like my girl and she goes always, and then they hug, I was like, oh, yeah. Let's go. I was I like, excited about I that. I like the Love's second meeting between them a little bit more, to be honest. But yeah, this was but a good one as well. The question I have with this scene is they she mentions the garbage truck, the garbage truck, and they make the plan to use it to escape. But I'm like thinking, is it like is her her and Ryan getting in the garbage truck and driving past the bridge where Butcher's then gonna hop in? Like, does Butcher go and hide in the house and then they all jump in the truck? Like I didn't <laughs> The plan made no sense to me. Yeah, I guess they were all but, on the same page. I told, I was getting that too. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. 
we go with that scene now. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So moving back along to MM, Starlight, and Huey. Uh, they're kind of rolling up to this sleazy motel. He said, okay, there's three of us. We have two rooms and naturally all be sleeping with MM. This is Huey talking. <laughs> and MM's just like, yeah, good choice, kid. Um, anyway, Huey gets a text in the middle of the night. That MM's you up text. Here. Yeah, that you up text. I think she says like emergency at the vending machine. Yeah, we know what that means. Total so. BS, obviously. Um, that is where they have their conversation. Annie selected Almond Joy. And hence we get the Jeffrey Dahmer reference. That yeah. was his favorite candy. <laughs> Let alone I'm sitting right next to our very own Jeffrey Dahmer. So yeah, true, I'm true. a little scared. <laughs> well, Annie says her top three favorites are Almond Joy, Charleston Chew, and Bit O Honey. Are those and all real? Just, are those yeah, real? they're all real. I, I've real never heard of any of candies. those. Yeah. Huey completely like picks her apart for it. Rightfully so. Those are that is a terrible top three of candy bars. Yeah. <laughs> um, Annie then asks about MM's OCD. She was just like, yeah, he always like taps the steering wheel three times before he turns. He That's stirs the coffee weird. And like, he's so insistent about the wet wipes. Like, What's I got up with this OCD. I got the uh, the germaphobe thing, but the tapping the wheel was a that's a good pickup on Starlight. I, yeah. I, I I might have to go back and watch to see if he actually does that. But yeah, that was a good pickup on her. Yeah, I when I watched the second time, I made it a point in the coffee shop scene to watch, and he stirs it three times. He taps yeah. it like taps the stir on the cup, I think three times, and then he places it like perfectly on the napkin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, never picked up any of that. And she said it, and I was like, whoa! Like my reaction was Huey's reaction. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then we get any kind of opening up as to the specifics of why she's so afraid, like being at Vaught Tower. I think I already said this. She said, working with Homelander is like walking around with a loaded gun in my face. Like I can't be there. And then Huey and Annie bang. And it's awesome. It's great. Cause I love Huey. I love Annie. I was so hoping for some tits, man. I wanted it. We were <laughs> Bro, so never going to happen. I know. We were just never, never going to happen. We were close. She looked great. And the way she turned off the light with her eyes, that, I was like, oh. That's the one that got me. If a girl was able to just like dim the lights with her eyes, I would be smitten. Oh, uh, and then she says, like, I really want to see your face. And like, oh, please let me yeah. be that guy. <laughs> Yo, bro, it's September. I think they're calling it No Sip September. And you're failing miserably right now. <laughs> No Simp September. I will simp for Aaron Moriarty all fucking day, all month. <laughs> you got Love competition, that. bro. My boy, Jack Quaid. Yeah, they have a yeah. great relationship Stiff on social media, too, which that? That annoys me. me. It annoys it me. Annoys I want in. Love it. I just um, the, the scene when they're at the vending machine is just kind of funny because they're like they're trying to like compare like their stress levels and when Starlight whips out the basically she's on constant edge of being murdered it's just like okay she wins like yeah. Huey can't say anything that even close to matches that so good on that scene mm-hmm. our next scene is another one of those dating interviews this one is about a girl who's opening up about an ex who is obsessed with Ed Sheeran that was funny and three weeks before. <laughs> She got dumped by this guy. The guy made her get a matching Ed Sheeran arm tattoo. Yep. And she shows the camera the tattoo <laughs> and she's like, I fucking hate Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I did like and that. That's all okay, it is. so for a second, imagine you are Ed Sheeran as a fan of the boys watching this show, and it's just like, hey, uncool. Like, what the fuck is that shit? It, yeah, definitely. It's just like, oh, everyone... Because Ed Sheeran's a great guy. I'm sure he, if he is watching, he definitely didn't take offense to I would to just it, appreciate but... him name-dropping the boys if yeah. I was that. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. 
It's but I like, just, when I first saw that scene, I was like, I can't imagine being the person that they're just talking shit yeah. on right there. It's almost like when a celebrity gets name dropped in South Park, South Park does it way, way more with mm-hmm. the social commentary. But like celebrities have to be honored that they get name dropped in South Park when they yeah. are. And then they get proceeded to get shit on. But like, I'm sure Tom Cruise was hype about that Fudge Packer episode. <laughs> yeah. A very funny episode. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a really good <laughs> That episode. was hilarious. That's a really good episode. Um, but moving on, I think we're okay with that scene. Our next scene is Becca at her place, and she pokes her head in, sees that Ryan's asleep, and then she goes to meet up with Butcher at the bridge again, and banging comes in twos, apparently. I said a bang, bang, <laughs> bang, yeah. bang, I said a bang, 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 bro, this is that primal, we haven't fucked in seven years, and never thought we'd see each other again, sex. Yeah, for sure. She got the That's cigarette insane. afterwards, That's too. That's next level. Yeah. Oh my god, man. I mean Diabolical, Paul should be here to break it down. Man. Yeah, if only Paul was here to break it down. So yeah, Paul obviously played by play guy not here, but I just will say that they do it in missionary, aka the lover's position. So Butcher's a little bit of a softy, man. He missed his girl. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you could tell that by the positions. Wow. <laughs> People will shit on missionary's basic, but it's the it's it's, it's intimate. I was gonna say it's definitely the most intimate position. Sweet. Then we have a little post-coital pillow talk, and that reveals that Becca has been in this kind of vault, securified development since Ryan was born. So she's been living in that house under Vaught's supervision for, like, what, 12 years now? Like, over a decade, assumedly. Um, she is also not allowed out to do like anything. She says she just acts like Carol fucking Brady all day long. <laughs> she said, like, she said something along the lines of towards the beginning, I just had to accept that, like, couldn't go out to restaurants, couldn't just go see a movie. She says something like smoking pot, eating Cheetos on the couch or something. Yeah, um, definitely can relate. It sounds like quarantine, honestly. <laughs> that was my yeah, first a little bit. Too. Yeah, for sure. Except quarantine was copious amounts of smoking pot and eating Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos are the best. <laughs> I like flaming hot I was Cheetos. just yeah. going to say flaming that hot That really Cheetos, took it to sure. another level. Um And then Homelander also informed Becca that Butcher has been kind of on this vengeance trail the entire time, Um, which I don't think Butcher wanted Becca to know that, that in the entire decade since they've seen each other, he has just been out for Homelander's blood. Yeah, I was wondering how Becca would react to hearing about Billy Butcher's tales for the past 10 years. Like, would she stay with him? Like, or would she, you know, sympathize or... But you he was doing that it answer. for her, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, oh, yeah. We yeah. also find out, yeah, that he has a a general aversion to kids and not just superhero kids. Uh, I just like his line when he says, "I'm not very good. Of, I'm not a very good role model, am I?" I just think that's like the perfect line for him to explain himself to her. No, absolutely, yeah. Because I mean, the soup, the superhero part of it takes it to another level. But he definitely is not a father, based off what we've seen. There's, he's not ready to have kids. <laughs> yeah. And she's kind of asking him, you know, obviously how you've been and stuff. And he just, when he hits her with, "I'm sleeping in the in the basement beneath a pawn shop in East Flatbush," and she's like, "Oh, yeah. sorry." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, nah, but it actually, uh, Paul was actually informed us today that the they're part of the Haitian Kings, is the gang. Um, that French, I guess, is friends with. That's who's sheltering them there. And I just, they didn't need to be this consistent with it, but like, it makes sense that Frenchies 
French friends are Haitian because Haiti used to be a French colony. Uh, the Haitian Creole is kind of a, an off branch of the French language. Some people in Haiti speak French. So like that little bit of universal continuity is just very cool. Yeah, no, definitely. That make, it just adds lost on you. You, it, li- you like the consistency in that? Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. It just adds more like realism to the show. It just makes it like, uh, you know, this could uh, obviously, I mean, it's not possible, but like, you know, it's, it just makes it feel more real. That's all. Good on that team. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving on to Homelander and Maeve being interviewed on Maria Menounis show. Oh, God. This was... Is she a real celebrity, Maria Menounis? Uh, is a popular syndicated daytime talk show with the wor- and it's only in the world of the boys. It's oh, not okay, a real gotcha. show. Gotcha. She, she isn't... You would have had me fooled. I thought she was a real person. No, I was reading it and I totally thought it was where the general tri- trivia was going with this. I totally thought it was going to be a real show and then it was just like in the world of the boys. So she's so a, the boys celebrity. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, so we, we did skip over one tiny scene where the the boys, are, I guess, Huey, Starlight, and MM are driving in the car. Huey oh, yeah. and Starlight are making googly eyes at each other because they just did the mm-hmm. dirty. And yeah. MM, they just did the dirty too. <laughs> you had to call him out on it. Nice. So going back to Homelander and Maeve, getting interviewed by this Maria Menounis. Uh, the first question is, is this supervillain threat real? And Homelander confirms, oh, yeah, it's 100% real. But don't be afraid. Like, your soup's got your back. Um, then Maria Menounis asks about diversity. And do you remember the exact numbers? She says, now that we know that Vought is selecting children to put compound B into, can you explain why 92% of soups are white? And I think it was six African-American and then one each for Latino and Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to which Homelander responds that, Look at the seven, you know, there's plenty of diversity. A train is black. Um, you know, black noir doesn't identify with any race, so who knows what he is? And then he says, We also have a gay person in the seven. And Maria's like, What? Who who's gay in the seven? We don't know this. To which he drops Queen Mavis. So Maeve's he just face says it all right there. It's yeah. just like not the time or place. And because it's obviously a sensitive subject to talk about and just having someone else do the talking for you about it all. And then well, he just outs her on like outs her and then also like calls out like her partner and everything. So like Homelander mm-hmm. has done his research. He's he knows who this person is, knows where she just is like so fucked up. Yeah, just just yeah. an unbelievably shitty thing to do to someone. Yeah, it's just awful. I mean, he's obviously done terrible things and murdered people, but. For, this was just like, what the fuck, dude? Just add it to the number of psychological damages he's been doing to people. So I just that, can't imagine being put on the fucking spot like that. Like, you know you're on fucking national television and he just pulls out your biggest secret you've ever had in your yeah, entire she didn't, life. She wasn't even taught. She just stood there. It's like, I can't believe you just said that. And she didn't say a word. Yeah. He's the worst. And then to, uh, I mean, obviously now I'm a fan of this, you know, real world immersion stuff. So she says it's a campaign called Hashtag Heroes So White. That's against this whole 92% of the heroes are white stuff. And I, I mean, I doubt this is in the comic books. I think it's, I mean, I know it's based off of, there was a movement recently called hashtag Oscars. So white yeah. people were just fighting for representation in the, in the film and, and TV mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. So I just think it was cool that they kind of just used Use a real world influence it and just put it, you know, more towards how it's relevant in the, the world of the boys. Interesting. Yeah, that was a good one. I thought that same thing because I remember the uh, the Oscars hashtag. Um, but 
Homelander and Maeve get to have a conversation after this Maria Menounis interview uh, where Maeve confirms to Homelander that she is with Elena and Homelander asks if they're in love and Maeve doesn't deny it. Um, And we know how Homelander feels about Maeve being with anybody else. So he reassures her that he is really, really, really happy for them. (laughs) And it's not reassuring (laughs) at all. Yeah, all the reallys just don't do what they're supposed to. (laughs) It's awful. Maeve is in such a horrible position right now. Homelander just flipped her world upside down. It was Homelander who like literally tore her last partner in half, right? And just well, it wasn't a partner. It was a guy who was trying to flirt with her one time, and he laser beamed him in half and they found his head in one room and his torso in another yeah and his office on fire and the fact that someone she has feelings for someone that that death would probably be way more gruesome yep (laughs) i'm sitting there listening to this conversation and when he said scissoring each other raw if I had uh, a drink in my mouth, I would have spit it across the room. I was like, did he just fucking say that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, he said some wild shit, and people have said some outlandish shit in this show, but that was one line where I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, he just says it. Yeah. Moving right along, we get a Stormfront scene. She is, I think I mentioned earlier that she was trying to get people to come out to this rally thing. And I think we are at the rally right now. She's just at a podium, just talking talking absolute shit on Vaught, Mm -hmm. calling for the government to take action and do better, calling for the people to like demand better out of Vaught and their soups. All the while, Kimiko is kind of making her way through the mob, just with staring daggers in her eyes. She is obviously just being fueled by emotion right now. And it's just moving towards the podium only to be finally stopped by Frenchie when she's about to get a little bit close and Frenchie talks some sense into her and it's just like, are you crazy? Like, no, nah, let's get out of here. I don't even know if she agrees to it. I think it was just more like that pause and that moment of him saying, let's go home, gave Stormfront the opportunity to obviously fly off. And then she looked at Frenchie and was like, why the fuck did you stop me? Like, I was ready to kill that yeah. girl. But also, Stormfront taking off. We were talking about it earlier, but... Ooh, it looks so cool. Speedy, yeah. She's a speed yeah. demon right there. She she broke the sound barrier, I presume, just right off the bat from takeoff. Stormfront, she's strong. She's super strong. Can't wait to see more of her, man. She, Definitely. I hate her, but I also like love her character at the same time. Yeah, she's a bad person. <laughs> good the sound effect of her taking off and flying was yeah. Sick. That's what I liked a lot. They do a great job with the CGI in this show. Mm-hmm. I have not had one single complaint. No. Uh, moving right along, we get Huey, MM, and Annie at the, the address that was given to them by Mallory in North Carolina. So they're knocking up, and a woman answers the door and seems like really spooked that they're there. It's important him. to mention she is African-American. It's an elderly yeah. African-American mm-hmm. woman. Elderly African-American woman. They start asking about Liberty, and right when they drop that name, this woman gets spooked. Says something like, I signed your papers, like took your money, like just leave me alone. Um, and then she, MF, she thinks they're with Vaught. She, yeah, yeah. yeah. So M.M. shares this story of how Vaught had his dad killed. And this is the first time that we're getting 
MM's origin story, more or less, why he is motivated to join the boys and help bring down Vought. It's because Vought had his dad killed after his dad committed his life to trying to bring down Vought. And MM says explicitly that he doesn't want to get into the specifics as to what exactly Vought did to wrong his dad. Other than that, it was bad enough to make his dad want to bring down Vought. Mm -hmm. So Vought had him assassinated, and that's why MM is here. He is sharing this story with this elderly African-American woman to try and show her that they are anti-Vought and on her side. Um, at which point the woman invites them in reluctantly, not invites them in, but they get into the house and this woman recalls her story from 48 years ago when she was 11. And this This is brutal, man. Yeah. The story is brutal. brutal. So she's a little girl in the back of her brother car. I think it was her brother. It didn't look old enough to be her dad, but like maybe a 20 year old, even a teenager age, her brother is driving the car and then a superhero it's raining out. It's dark. A superhero lands in front of their car and gets the brother out of the car and essentially just like punches him to death in the face. Saying like accusing him that his star was his car was stolen, which yeah. uh, it sounded obviously like it wasn't. She was now, just c- finding a reason to beat the shit out of this guy, basically. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, and the, the, the line she drops was awful. She was like, the guy says, the brother says, aren't you supposed to be a hero? And she responds with, I, I am a hero for killing a black piece of shit like you. Like that is, oof, that is just so yeah. bad. And then she just kills him by punching him in the face to death. And then um, you get a look at it. Too. Yeah. We got this poor 11 oh year old girl exiting the car to see what happened to her brother. And the guy's face is just absolutely smashed in. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. And I mean, this is, like another thing I'm going to say, this is basically based off shit that happened. I mean, the story of Emmett Till is pretty famous where essentially he was falsely accused by, of a crime by a white girl and then beaten to death and discovered basically with his face in the same way, like his face unrecognizable. And that was like a huge spark, you know, in terms of the civil rights movement and things like that. And it's just, I don't know, for me personally, I guess you can tell already, I just love these these real world inspirations of events <laughs> that they that they place in the story. Because like you're saying, Dave, the, the immersion of it, it just it feels so real, unfortunately, right. in this sense, because obviously, yeah, it was just a terrible so thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, that that scene got There's really, not much real, to say. really quick. Yeah. Um, and I think this we always comment on how good the show is at the social commentary. We're introducing this blatantly racist superhero. And I think that's going to shift their social commentary to the black lives matter stuff, you know, and it's, they're going to be able to get a lot of stuff in relating to that with Mm -hmm. this stormfront character. Yeah. Um, And then she, uh, then they're asking like, so who is this Liberty? And uh, the elderly woman drops a newspaper article down and says, that's Liberty. And it ends up being stormfront, which is like, holy shit like i mean they talk about it in the the following scene but yeah. it's like how is she alive this long is it because of her powers is she like who knows is she even human like all these questions start popping yeah. in your head it's like i can't wait to see where this goes like you know so this, crazy this was a wild reveal mm-hmm. and i don't even know how it's gonna all like what dots are even there to connect but this was a weird twist yeah Definitely. One that nobody could have seen coming. And I think it was also mentioned too, actually, and maybe it was episode two when they're talking about uh, Dr. Vaught himself. Mm. Oh, no, maybe I'm not. I'm just, we'll skip that over because I'm, 
it i don't want to mention it but gotcha. just keep going all right are we good on that scene then yeah um yeah i just so they talk about how she talks about rather that Vaught offered her two thousand dollars she says you know right. that was my that's what my brother's life was worth two thousand dollars and i did the inflation calculation it's about like 10 grand if that in today's dollars for someone is insane for, yeah. Yeah. for a human life and to hide the fact of how he died it's just like i mean she she took she obviously she took it right yeah she took it only because she said at the time like her mom just knew they didn't have the resources to fight it so they said we could either not take the money and still be shit out of luck or we can take the money and still which yeah I, yeah their hands were tied it was a horrible Fuck situation liberty. where all my homies hate like, liberty yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure um we good on that scene now mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. a tough scene uh moving on we have homelander in bought tower and he is just scrolling through pro stormfront anti-homelander memes and they're <laughs> yeah, my favorite some thing how they are so up to date on like social media trends and stuff like that and for them to they were pretty quality memes too. Yeah, some of them were pretty pretty funny. <laughs> the one with the uh everybody knows this meme, the guy holding hands yep, with the one that was, girl yes. back. Um, but it's like that was the he's one holding was hands cool. with uh with Homelander and then he's staring back, checking out Stormfront. Stormfront. Yeah, yeah, that was like the I thought that was that was the one that stood out for me. Some personally. very spicy memes. So I will give the show credit for for making some good memes. Pop culture always does well, I feel like, in these kinds of shows. Like anytime you make like real world references, it's always fun. Yeah. So Home Homelander's really pissed and he goes directly to Stormfront to confront her and just says he's just venting. He's like, listen, I'm still the face of the seven. I don't care about you. I still test better in every meaningful demographic, this, that, and the other thing. And Stormfront throwing a man-child tantrum. Sorry. Yeah, he's <laughs> just throwing a Homelander tantrum, but nobody checks him on these tantrums because then they'll die. Yeah, but exactly. Stormfront gets out of her lane and says, this constant need to be loved by everyone is kind of pathetic, but yay for you i was like she's gonna get it right and she almost got it she almost got it flares the laser eyes and or homelander rather flares the laser eyes and starts moving in on her and even stormfront realizes she went too far she said hey whoa like and i think it i think that's still i think that's a good point of showing still the hierarchy like i think even though stormfront has appeared to be this tough very powerful hero that Homelander still, as you were saying earlier, is still probably the top dog and in a tyrant of his own. At the end of the day, Homelander can just assert his dominance over anyone because he's stronger than anyone. He doesn't really care about consequences, I think. Yeah. I feel like some people, maybe not Stormfront, but like personally him, like as we've seen, he can kill someone and just have no remorse, doesn't care. He'll just yeah. go on about his day and they'll cover it up for him. Well, he thinks he's a god, so. Exactly, yeah. exactly. What so, the fuck are consequences to a god? none that's true so stormfront continues and says hey listen that saving america bullshit costs you like 253 million dollars to come out with this ad campaign with you saving america and i'm running circles around you with five nerds on laptops churning out memes great great line yeah (laughs) and it was like she got so under homelander's skin just with these freaking memes um and she just says you know you need a little bit more help connecting with your audience. That's all like rebrand yourself. And she says, God knows I did referencing how she changed from being Liberty decades ago to now Stormfront. Not that really cool. anybody other than the audience would know that. And the one thing that she said that sells to the people is 
anger. Anger is what sells for whatever reason. People just love it. Too true. We good on that scene? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. She, I mean, she, I just want to say she's kind of brown nosing him at some point, you know, cause she's like, you know, you're the example, like you're what we should all be. And for some reason she like walks behind him, like touching his shoulder, sits in front yeah. of him. And was I the only one thinking like, is she kind of flirting with him right now? She's flirting with him. I, a I didn't get bit. that vibe. Not like she not because she like wants the to bang on him, the shoulder but... and stuff like that. Yeah, I could yeah. totally see that. In a he's leaving. Yeah, oh yeah, because he's yeah. leaving, and she's like, "Doors always open for anything." Oh yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Very right. He doesn't have Stillwell anymore, so he kind of needs that like female partner in crime, I guess. Yeah. My guy's certainly got some wacky fetishes. So good luck, Stormfront. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting him what he wants. Moving right along, it's going to bring us to Becca and Butcher's final scene together of the episode. Um, and Becca is just kind of putting Butcher on blast for not actually wanting to take Ryan with them when they get away. Um, this was actually for me, at least as a viewer, I was like, these are all very important questions because I was thinking the same thing. Honestly, it's like, we know butcher is so anti soup. Like he has, he does not want anything to do with them. So Becca asking all these questions, like, do you love him? Like, and he's just like, yeah, sure. And she's just like, no, like, I know who you are. You're a, you're soup hating. And that is exactly what Ryan is. And then butcher eventually just says, you're right. I don't give a shit about that kid whatsoever, which he has every right. That was the child. That's the child of Homelander. So yeah, he did. He refers to Ryan as that is like a multi hundred million dollar piece of vault property. Like they're not just going to let him go. Like they're going to get their hands on him eventually. Yeah. That was the main reason. Me and you still have a chance to be safe and have a normal life. It's crazy. Cause like, he's got a point, but Oh yeah, because this kid's mom, she says, "I'm not gonna leave without him." It, it's a tough spot. Yeah, and Ryan, one Billy with a B. One <laughs> Billy was it? Is that yeah. what they said? Yeah, that's what he I says. Mean, he, yeah, I mean, he is Homelander. Homelander oh, is yeah. worth quite a bit of money. But I think a really nice part, if after you have seen this scene, going back to their initial reunion scene, if you rewatch it, because she says here, um, like. She basically doesn't trust him to love Ryan. Like she says, yeah. you're going to try to get rid of him, whether, you know, it's at first or it's directly or indirectly, like it's going to happen. I saw it in your face last night. And if you go back and watch the scene when she first brings up kids and Ryan, Carl Urban, like on his face, who plays Butcher, is like, it's so obvious right there. And yeah. I definitely didn't catch it the first time. But looking back, I was like, the, the subtle mannerisms in the acting were so on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah good interaction between becca and butcher and that's a good catch going back and watching an earlier scene love to see it's always nice oh yeah yeah. and then this is another thing she says to him basically is like you know that hate is like always been inside of you even before me like i knew that you'd go out and seek revenge if i told you like that's why i went to vaught and not you which first of all big oof tears in the chat for my boy butcher and second of all plays into what mm said to him in episode three of like Huey is your canary. Like, yeah, what's your needs, Huey, in his life? Because Huey is the one that's going to put him back on a path of not righteousness, but like kind of show him that, like, dude, you're fucking crazy about some of this shit. And like, you need to <laughs> yeah. fucking chill out. Mm. So I think that's the route that Butcher and Huey's relationship starts to mend a little bit. It's because Butcher knows now that he's fucking off the deep end a little bit. And he's so crazy that his wife can't even trust him. 
And that's the yeah. only thing that gets through to him. So, gotcha. Yeah, that, I think that absolutely makes that would be definitely the healing point for those two. Yeah, and then the last comment I want to make on the scene is that obviously the plan was not going to work out because it was so trash. Yeah, it was just yeah. literally. Yeah. it was so trash. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah, pun totally Ooh. intended there. Next scene we have is a quickie with Black Noir. Essentially, him and that computer chick, have- uh, Annika. I don't know. Annika, Annika, it's something like that. A N I K. We'll call him Annika. Annika, yeah. Okay, so Black Noir and Annika, the computer chick, um, have located Butcher because he flipped off the camera outside of <laughs> Becca's com- like gated community complex. Yeah, fucking idiot. And Annika's surprised. She's like, "Holy shit, we got him!" Black yeah, Noir's got- just has been sitting there the entire time, just looking at her. <laughs> that screen. would be so awkward, just having a man who doesn't talk just sitting there, just watching <laughs> you so do everything. Unnerving. Because he could kill you too. You like he's yeah. also a murderer. Like I have a feeling Black Noir has like a heart of gold. I hope, man. I would. I just. He oh. reminds me of um uh, from a comic got killed. The dude with the flamethrower bowls. I think his name bowls, was. Yeah. He was just like a big meathead, but like yeah, actually people like donuts and stuff. Yeah, he was, he was a good guy. <laughs> so sweet. Um, good with that scene. It was Black Noir. Yeah, There's nothing. like no dialogue at all. <laughs> uh, the next scene we get is Annie and Huey, and they are just kind of talking through the events that have transpired. I don't know. Huey's going to be knows. evil. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Huey's going to be evil? What well, leads you to believe that? No. No, I mean, he's going through a heartbreak right now. I mean, he like it seemed like all, things were going great for them. I mean, they had yeah. sex. They talked about Almond Joys and shitty candy, and now he lays it all on the line, and she's just like, the truth is like we're all we're all alone like there's no you and i this is just a me thing this is a you thing so they kiss their goodbyes and huey seems a little devastated so that's just my obviously my hot take of the uh the boys series but him losing annie is gonna make him go down the path of evil yeah (laughs) evil every villain is lemons every villain <laughs> is lemons otherwise Love. known as evil <laughs> kyle what are your thoughts on the annie huey I'm thing just thinking i have two kind of thoughts so the first one is a kind of a question like do you think she truly believes it or she's kind of buying into what huey kind of left her in the one voicemail where he's like you know we're not james bond we got to be careful with this shit and she's trying to distance herself or do you think she's actually like fuck huey Nah, I think she's pretty she has into room. Huey. I think she yeah. it may be more of what Huey said and she is trying to keep that distance, which is smart of her. She's Oh yeah. I still you know, we still she, all ship them obviously. I think we're all in Yeah, that, that they're train. a great couple and I think they're good for each other, but Starlight is literally bulletproof <laughs> and Huey is just this flesh guy. <laughs> Wow, did yeah. I just describe him? Better term. Yeah. <laughs> That's that how I'm so going to describe humans yeah. from now on. Flesh so guy. I met this flesh guy the other day. <laughs> Total flesh guy. Just a walking sack of meat. My God. <laughs> the second thing I want to say is that it's interesting that so earlier in the episode, Huey and Starlight have sex. And then almost right after it, Butcher and Becca have sex. And then now we have Becca breaking Butcher's heart, immediately followed hmm. by Starlight breaking hmm. Huey's heart. So our boys are kind of in the same boat right now. So yeah. we'll see whether they can use it to bond or they got to go fun. grab a drink at uh Tony Cicero's together. And yeah, <laughs> Tony Cicero's. Definitely. Yeah, they need they need a fucking Tony Cicero's pie and some fresca. Completely agree. Are we good on the Annie Huey scene? Yep. And then Sweet. here we go. Moving on. Yes, we have our last of these random bimbo 
dating interviews. I'm sorry. These ladies aren't bimbos. They seem <laughs> super nice. Um, but it's it's this woman who who just says, I'm a feminist, but I'm also very sexual. My what's penis was with... a little tingly the whole time. <laughs> She's like, what's wrong with giving pleasure, receiving it? And then our video camera pans to the deep who is just hanging on this girl's every word. He's his like jaw is along the, like, yeah. His yeah, jaw is point. on the fucking ground. Sure. Oh my, I was cracking up. So they, uh, the deep is with Carol and Eagle in this scene, right? And they say, thanks for coming by. Like the girl exits. Um, she's and the, the deep is just like, she's the one. That's this, my wife. No contest. Um, so and Carol funny. says, no, you're, it's Cassandra. Cassandra's the winner. Do we still like know what's going on here? Not uh, now. They're trying no. to find him a wife, but I think it's to, I think it's to help fix the image that people have of the yeah. deep of being uh, a rapist, like mm-hmm. looking always, always looking down on women. So I think they're just trying to find him a suitor, just so they can just you know fix that little mess that he made. I've, that's all I could really gather. I don't know what yeah. the act, if there could be more to it, but that's clearly the deep is not taking it seriously though. And I so assumedly funny. Carol is trying to set him up with like a nicer person who would be better for PR. Yeah. Um, and he just wanted to go with the easy lay. So yeah. <laughs> that's where the deep sets at. He was um, still listening to his, just his normal instincts of, for I sure. just want to get a nut. Yeah. Um, anything Looking else back? Go ahead. Like, should have known that this was going to tie into the deep all these weird interviews yeah, yeah. i was thinking like, the same thing as we were going through so it it's just like you should have known that it was meant for the deep because i had been so I was money. lost in the sauce and what was going on and then he popped up and i was like a fucking course it has to do with the deep <laughs> yeah. it started making a lot more sense when you knew the deep was involved yeah yeah um anything else happened on that scene that we was need to it. talk yeah, about no, sweet that, that is going to bring us to our final scene of the episode we get cool. homelander back at the stillwell log cabin um and yeah more uncomfortability without a doubt in this scene i don't even i didn't write down too many of the quotes but doppelganger switches from stillwell into homelander himself um and I'll say it, doppelgangers just like, I'm going to suck your cock so fucking hard and you're going to look in your own eyes when you come and it's not even gay because you're doing it with yourself. I thought Homelander... <laughs> I, thought I was Homelander like, was jaw all on the floor, eyes wide open. How's Homelander going to react? Doppelganger was totally dead once I, he started changing yeah. into Homelander. I really thought, though, that Homelander was going to go through with it because that just plays into the the... The how much ego he has, you know, like I feel like he was really going to do it. And then once he grabbed him, like once uh, Doppelganger was kind of going for the junk and yeah. Homelander stops him uh, at that moment in time, I was like, he's dead. Yeah. There's just no way he's not. And lo and behold, he just snaps his neck, right? He just he's like, you're a pathetic he piece says, of shit. You're not worth anything. Basically, even, I don't think it's him talking shit on Doppelganger. Maybe he does, but he he says he's emphasizing more. I don't need anyone to love me and I don't need you. So maybe it's him shedding this whole yeah, I don't need necessity mm-hmm. of his shedding his dependence on Stillwell for that emotional connection. Absolutely. Um cuz I think yeah, him killing Do- yeah, exactly. I think him killing Doppelganger is a huge statement for himself saying that he's breaking away from still yeah still yeah, well in his definitely. old his old tendencies 100%. kyle you uh you got any any commentary on this weird scene um the one thing i want to say is that 
I'm cracking up thinking about Anthony Starr on set <laughs> acting in this scene out, like speaking to air on both like being Homelander and then being doppelganger, like dressed mm-hmm. up in the lingerie. Yeah. I'm sure it was fucking hilarious <laughs> watching him do this. Yeah. He had, he put up a good, uh, Tony Starr put up a funny like Instagram story on, uh, and it was just like him in a dress and he was like, you guys should know how to pick and choose all that. Like something like really sexual. It was just yeah. really funny because <laughs> it was him in the dress, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the one note that I had just what just happened was basically my take from that scene. Like, what in the world? And there's no accurate answer to that question. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was, a lot no. just happened, and and it was beautiful. No it was the it, yeah. beautiful end to another fantastic episode from the boys. I do wanna, I do wanna bring up though, doppelganger is now dead, and Luke wanted me to. Me and Luke had had a conversation where I said anybody could be doppelganger at any time yeah and now true. nobody can that's that's not like a plot point okay. you know what i mean there could just be a stand-in for like edgar that's actually doppelganger the whole okay. time and now that cop out is no longer a possibility right that's a good that thing sense that is a yeah, good thing I in like my that. eyes but it yeah. always was something that i was worried about somebody important could just always be doppelganger mm-hmm. but not anymore because he'd be dead. And I think that this episode, because we saw all that, you know, this was like the perfect right before midway point episode because, you know, we get a lot of resolve. Like a lot of characters are resolving their issues uh, with Homelander and other things. But I just think that this is setting up for one fantastic episode five, honestly. I think 100%. We're going to, I feel like, yeah, it's just going to be great TV from here on out, as if it wasn't already. Yeah, and, and just these episodes really just revealed my initial suspicions about Stormfront. I mean, she's kind of sucks. I mean, character is great. She's a great foil to Homelander, but as a person and a superhero, she's just a terrible, terrible person. Absolutely. And I, I just guess, hate her. And yeah. I guess I mean, now- she is like straight up. Like she is a neo-Nazi. Oh, 100%. Like it's at this yeah, that's another thing we should have mentioned as well is that I think that was actually something I mentioned in the first podcast episode is that uh, I talked about her earrings briefly, but her earrings are lightning bolts, which that kind of, I guess, off the bat, you would think that kind of coincides with her power, a power but it actually is uh, the Nazi SS symbol. It's like two lightning bolts. So you could take it as either it's her powers or... Well, I mean, it's also a fact that she is a Nazi. So yeah. I thought that was a good play on uh, her outfit. Did she have an eagle as her belt? Yeah. yeah. Like that, Nazi that, party. Yeah. I think that one's a more that right giveaway. on the nose one. Yeah. But, yeah, the two of those together. I mean, the symbolism's there. She acts. I mean, obviously, she's super racist. Uh, she gets up on her soapbox and, you know, she demonizes the current government for its weakness against immigration and, you know, the other yeah. coming in to hurt people. Um, basically, that was Hitler's textbook. I mean... He basically yeah, was a word. super good public speaker, a super effective propaganda, which she does with these memes, basically wow. just stoking okay. anger and yeah. you know people's fears. And she told Homelander, anger is what you need to get after. Hmm. Um, and then she says to Homelander, like, you have fans, I have soldiers. And a big part of the Nazi party was that, you know, they weren't afraid to go out in the streets and start beating the shit out of people uh, and using violence to get what they wanted. Hmm. You're blowing so, my mind right now, honestly. That was all really cool. No, that was really good. But that's I like also, that. I mean, it has to tie into the fact that episode, it's either one or two when Stan basically reveals the true origins of, uh, not Edward Vaught. Is it Edward Vaught? The yeah. founder of Vaught, but yeah. he was a Nazi yeah. scientist that came over 
to America in Operation Paperclip and, you know, became an American scientist. Mm-hmm. So there's something fucking weird going on. I don't yeah, know what it is. We're about, I think we're definitely going to get a lot more yeah. on the, at least the World War II. I think, yeah, like, yeah, all that stuff. I think it's going to come into play deeper in more episodes. Yeah. Can't wait to find out. But I guess that can transition us into our final segment of the show, Bang Hill Mary. And Ooh. I have three here. So we did the uh, the females of the seven last week. So I will present to you the male version. Obviously, Black Noir does not identify as oh, male, female, or any race. So we're going to do Homelander, A-Train, and The Deep. Such awful yeah. people. All, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awful people. Wow. All awful people. I can start because I think I have my answer personally. I think obviously kill Homelander. Like, who the fuck wants that guy in anybody's life? So, Ixnay that guy right off the bat if you can even kill him. Um, I would probably bang A-Train. I feel like the baddies are always, you know, the one-night stand kind of things. And then as much psychological damage as mm-hmm. the Deep has, I think I'm marrying the Deep. And, uh, you know, he can take me on rides on his dolphins and we can talk about Lucy and Mourn together. <laughs> So that's my that's my answer right there. Wow. I don't know if one of you two want to go up. Wow. <laughs> I juicy. Kyle, you want to go? I'm still thinking. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna kill Homelander as well because I don't want that dude anywhere near me. Yeah. Um oh my gosh, man. A-train I don't deep, know. Man. <laughs> um, I it's think tough. that at this point, if we're gonna just off of where we're at in the story right now, I'm gonna marry A Train. Hmm. Um, because I think A Train has the ability to turn the corner. I think he's super remorseful, remorseful rather about what happened to Popclaw, um, but not about uh, Huey's ex-girlfriend. No, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> fucking the deeps out here raping chicks. So or, yeah, that is also <laughs> yeah, true. I, so so I did. I mean, it's a tough decision to make. But I'm gonna go A Train, and then I guess I'll I'll get it on with the deep. And <laughs> I mean, we could we could get it on in the ocean. Yeah, but he probably wouldn't show you his uh, his gills, so I don't even know of how. That's far fine, bro. Keep the vest on. <laughs> Keep disgusting. the vest on. They're fucking disgusting. All Which right, Which brings Tom. us to yeah. me. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna kill Homelander because obvious. Reasons. Yeah, he's just a creep. <laughs> I couldn't do the milk. I like cereal a lot, and just having him <laughs> being yeah. weird around the milk in the house, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. So kill Homelander. Um. I'll bang a train mm-hmm. because he could just be in and out in and out. Like he could probably do like wow. two a thousand inches, beats per second. Two, like, two inches at a hundred miles an hour. will still fuck shit up. That's the quote. <laughs> a train is the definition of that. Yeah. Um, that's just math. So yeah. <laughs> take me for a ride. Um, and then I'll marry the deep only because I feel like at this point in the story, he's very emotionally vulnerable and mm-hmm. fragile. And I could just be the alpha in that relationship. Yeah. Just t- dominate his pussy bitch ass oh my god <laughs> not like sex, not sexually <laughs> not sexual just uh, put him uh, in his place every so once yeah in a while. he's starting to be less rapey and more just a confused idiot who can talk to sea animals so yeah i can marry that that's that's pick your poison that's the poison <laughs> i pick all right that was a tough one that was probably the worst bank of my we've ever had on benchtown tv ever i'm glad to hear that so a quick correction before we get into our outro. Uh, so Maria Menounos is an American entertainment reporter, TV personality, pro wrestler. So way to go there, Maria. Actress <laughs> and businesswoman. So Maria is a very real person who is very successful in the real world. 
So our apologies for that mistake, Maria. So <laughs> these were two great episodes. Episode three was for the fighters. We got some great fight scenes showcasing some of our most powerful characters. While episode four was for the lovers as we cut back <laughs> some of those layers and revealed motivations while also bumping some uglies. We'll be back next week with a single episode covering episode five titled We Gotta Go Now. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to at Bingetown TV on Apple or Spotify. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bingetown TV to keep up with any updates. Our group also covers CW's The 100, Netflix's Cursed and Haunting of Hill House, and Star's hit show Spartacus. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening.